everybody the podcast number 123 presented by five pin universe i f- keep forgetting to do the intros every week i'm your host carrie kreitz joined by tim and dexter wiseman the twins and senior bowler daryl bradley right <laughs> i've graduated oh. now or what <laughs> <laughs> no, i like, the, I like the air quotes i like the air quotes <laughs> well, way people can believe me and just uh <laughs> On our audio version, they won't understand. But <laughs> um, how are things going, guys? Uh, Daryl, looks like you're a little worse for wear. Tim, I ah, know you're worse for wear. What's going yeah. on? Injury. We need the IR report for the uh, the five pin U crew here. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a spray candy or what? What are you gonna put on that bad boy? Yeah, look at that, eh, guys? What do you think, everybody? I know you're going to be staring at it all night. No, just a little accident. The old clipping climb with the with my daughter on the weekend. Climbed up a little pyramid thing, got all the way top, pretty proud of myself. But then, of course, once you get to the top, you got to come down, right, guys? So I just felt like you got to jump down. So I jumped down off the the harness was going to keep me up. But all of a sudden, I started swinging around the outside of the columns. And then I came back through the columns and I bobbled my head through two columns. You'd think a guy would actually have his hands out and maybe know where it's going, like this and that. But no, I just let myself take it. Bang, bang, ticky, chang. <laughs> and as soon as I did it, I hit right underneath the eye. I was like, yeah, I'm going to have a black eye. I knew right away. And uh, here we are, yeah, four or five days later, and we're uh, we're getting nice and nice and yellowy. And it's, it's good. She'll turn nice and green on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look nice and pretty. The first day, my kids thought I had an eyeliner, but uh, no, it's just gotten better. And they're kind of looking at me funny, so it's, it's all good. Should, should we queue it up for the people? Yeah, let's queue it up. Oh, no, did you? I sent it to you guys, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody really want to see the video? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think this is good. It's Dennis Rodman 2.0. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, let's, yeah let's, let's take a quick look here. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Pretty proud of myself up at the top. Hey, look at me! Look at me! But then I was like, I gotta get down, so I hold on to the thing, right? There's Jade down in front, and I went whoa all the way to the backside, and then here, boom, boom, bang, bang, <laughs> right? bang, bang. I know. That part's like, so good. That part's so did, good. Yeah. Why did it take me to the outside? And all of a sudden, back, bang, bang. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Why didn't I have my hands out, guys? Why don't I have my hands out? This That's is awesome. the most ridiculous thing ever. Yeah. Just tell yeah. me. Yeah. 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 Oh no. But but we're I, good. Well, we're good. Other than that, we're uh, we're good. Last week's issues are all resolved. So we're, uh, we're we're back to normal and and whatever. It's it's good. Tim, how about you? Over to you, bud. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm doing just fine. I'm doing just fine. Uh, you know what? Maybe tomorrow is my last uh, IV, and so fingers crossed. Um, I might be able to use my left hand. So you know, yeah. like. This whole time, like we have this massive pandemic that's sweeping across the world, and and none of us are sick, but we have injuries from stuff that, like Daryl, I don't know if I give you the old senior quotations earlier. If you should really be climbing that high, big guy. It's a little. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's, there's certainly a risk factor included here, boys, and I got to consider next time going up there for sure. I just can't believe you got your walker up there. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I walked. I didn't even use my hands. I just walked. Doink, doink, doink. Do you know? Do you know? In all fairness, if Daryl actually wore his bifocals, he probably would have seen the poles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot safer up there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can take it. Do. Let's go. Yeah. So, right, so definitely, definitely might 
my risk assessment might not want me to see me do that again. So. <laughs> Podcast does not cover your health insurance. I'll tell you that right now. That's right. Yeah. Um, oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of that, everybody buy more uh, five pin Bruniverse. Uh, yeah. has got some hospital bills. <laughs> yeah. That's, right. That's yeah. right. That's where your money's going to now is hospital bills. That's right. <laughs> it's going good though, boys. Hey, the five pin you, I know it's uh Good sales, yeah. I think, got some good numbers. Yeah, yeah things are looking really good through Alley Cat, so we can't uh, thank them enough once again to uh, bring our own five pin beer to uh, the Alberta masses for at the moment, and hopefully more across the country later on. Yeah, I think I think we're through like the first seventy five can or seventy five percent of yeah. uh, of the first run. So they're looking at creating a second run for the end of this month. So. Um, hopefully more ple- more places to keep picking it up and we go from there and hopefully uh, Saskatchewan can get it in there too. I know there's, I, I, I think outside of Saskatchewan and Alberta, it's going to be tougher, but it sounds like Alley Cat is in a few places in Saskatchewan. So there is a gentleman that you can reach out to at Alley Cat that can help figure out those logistics and how to get it out to you businesses in Saskatchewan. So um if anyone would like that information just shoot us a message and i'll be happy to pass that information along to you but yeah perfect um so this past weekend i know we try and keep it national wide our conversation but we did have the alberta tournament masters weekend and there was some teaching masters and stuff like that um we played stetler the first day uh Mm -hmm. heartland bowl proud supporter of the wcbt um I know we played, there were some fairly high scores in there. Uh, who won? I wasn't. Uh, uh, Tyler. Tyler. Tyler, Tyler yeah. B. Weber at the end, yeah. Right, that's right. Adam Adam led for the first seven games, and then Tyler took it at the end. Yeah, they were both well over 2,300. Scores scores. Were you guys surprised at the scores? Or apparently something about new bases, so you're not surprised. I mean, we've seen some great scores and great playing coming out there on the, yeah. on, the on the pro league, so so not it really, was, but, but kind of like. The, you know, the, the, we were there three years ago. I don't care. He's been there sooner than I have, but um, it was, it was, it played really well. Like it was always a decent scoring house, but it played really well. Um, no real kickbacks, nothing really cheesy in it. Um, I will have to say though, like they had to work on their approaches and I made sure I told their head technician Gino to fix it. So, <laughs> cause you know, for, for all you guys know how much Gino gives shit to everybody in any bowling center, Gino helps out start Settler and I made sure I gave it to him and it felt great. So, <laughs> well, to give you all perspective, I think there was 18 or 19 tournament players, tournament men's players, sorry, at Settler. I was 15th with a 250 average. So the scoring was really well at that center compared to in prior years. So they've done a really good job there for sure. Um, But we'll we'll stick with Stetler at the moment. Uh, We'll move over to the ladies here in a second. Uh, An old senior citizen, uh, a former podcast guest, crushed us all. Shot 2,400 on the Sunday in uh, Seniors Masters. Mr. Craig Gigliak. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. At seniors at Stetler. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they played the Sunday at Stetler. So nice work. Kid. In all fairness, that guy could still be playing tournament masters, no problem. But he he chooses to play seniors because he loves it. Yeah. yeah. 
so smooth too, right? I mean, the oh, guy, yeah. the style that he throws, you, it's not going to be a ton of wear and tear on the body. It's just nice and smooth, simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah smooth exactly. with both hands. Yeah, I was going to ask, did he bowl left-handed or right-handed? <laughs> right-handed. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, it's scratched. Does it really matter? Nope. He could have played. Doesn't. He could have played either or. Could you switch? What's the ruling? Where's uh, our? I, I don't. Book I don't. I don't think. I don't think there's any rule for scratch. Yeah, as as far I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if it's scratch, it shouldn't matter. I mean, if we were at if we we're at TPC and someone wants to make that change and switch from left hand to right hand to mix it up, I'm not going to care. Yeah, if, if it was a league, it'd be a different story, right? But yeah, league is different for sure. But yeah, yeah. if it's a handicap or a pins over average situation, exactly. Um, so let's uh, jump over to the ladies at Innisfail. Yeah, Tracy um, played really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Tracy was like a hundred and some up on second. She uh, she shot twenty one hundred. Um, she was yeah she averaged two sixty three. She was the only lady over two thousand, but uh, there were a few bunched up right below that there. So um, yeah, Diane Violini comes in second. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And then uh, the second day at Heritage, the ladies and men's were both there. Uh, on the men's side, who won? Uh, Rob, Rob Wolfson. Wolfson. Oh, right. yeah. Nice. Back-to-back back heritage champion, right, at, for the Masters? Yeah. I think he won last year, too, at Heritage. Yeah, he did. Well, yeah, he did last time, yeah. And uh, he he beat uh, Tyler at, in the last game. So, But uh, I will have to say, I, people probably might not know this, Robbie probably has high average in the city in Calgary. He's averaging 274 this year. So oh. he's he's playing really solid right now yeah 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 so between him and miller for sure because i think miller's playing really well too mark yeah i think i've seen something on the the calgary stuff yeah 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 um and then for the lady side bonnie mcdonald comes through again with another title yeah pretty pretty incredible she doesn't throw any balls it shows up to the event like sort of like uh like bruce used to right and then uh just throw balls yeah yeah, yeah gets, mean, a, she, gets a warm up in on Saturday and then comes out and wins the tournament on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she shot well. I mean, her first game was two ninety one, and then she shot five straight three hundreds after that. Nice, pretty, uh, pretty solid, pretty stellar. Now, what about yeah. rest of the country? Um, we know some have had to delay qualifying, and some people haven't got the chance to play, or some people are still in the middle of it. What's the overall recap out there? Yeah, I think Saskatchewan's got their first set in. Um, yeah, other than that, Manitoba, oh, BC does too. BC has yeah, their first Mani- set in. Manitoba does too. Pretty sure. Ontario, Ontario has some in. Yeah, I think everybody has their first set in, except maybe maybe not Quebec. Right. I don't know about Quebec. Yeah. And so they might not be through their second set and stuff like that. Um, obviously, yeah. with Ontario being the twenty-one days still on lockdown. Um, and Quebec obviously being on lockdown too. Oh, Manitoba is under a no tournament rule as well. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yikes! Yikes! Um, time to be alive, eh? What about open qualifying? Now that's for most places coming up here end of January, I believe. Quebec has already done it. Uh, Ontario does their initial round too, right? Don't they? Yeah, yeah. And they, what, Ontario's um, already done. done. Yeah, they do theirs in December. Oh, so their provincial. Sorry. Oh, they do their whole thing. In, okay, at the provincial yeah, so, are coming up at Easter still yeah. at the same time. Okay, right. So, um, 
yeah, they're having they're having issues in Manitoba and BC, especially because they can't can't do roll offs, right? Yeah, but it's it's interesting because BC they they allowed them to run their interstate or well not not intercity I guess interiors qualifying um, yeah. because it's not team based it's an individual based so they don't consider that a tournament but they're not allowing the open qualifyings to run would it's the same thing to me I don't I don't get it so but they're so they're not they haven't uh, they've canceled their qualifying rounds for now and in, in hopes that they can run them after January. We'll see. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So uh, once again, devastating, obviously not only to bowling, but obviously sports across Canada in indoor sports specifically, but um, here in Alberta, we're, we're lucky enough to still run with masking mandates and stuff like that. So hopefully we can continue to have our zone zone trials here at the end of the month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think they're going to just try to ride that wave and uh, go from there, right? I mean, I know, I know you're gonna we're gonna have people that are sick and they need to drop out or, or all that kind of stuff. I mean, we had some people this weekend. Um, we just found out like about three hours ago, we had three people drop out of the IP provincials this weekend. Oh, right? darn! Oh, too really? bad, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it. I think we're not. I think don't think we're there yet. I think there'd be more people. Um, but uh, uh, it's kind of, it's kind it's of part of the game, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's a it's a a product of the time, and you're you're going to have those fluctuations. But hopefully, there's enough support and enough uh, interest to keep keep the events alive, and we make it through this. Yeah. And, this and kudos, kudos to those people who are being honest and not going to provincials this weekend because they know something's up, and and not just trying to skirt around it and go down anyways because you spend that amount of time with everybody in a bowling alley over a weekend everyone would, everyone would leave that place sick so kudos to them for doing the right thing yeah what's uh now five print universe uh protein league that's this weekend mm-hmm. coming up we haven't had that for a few weeks so back in action coming up this sunday yeah yeah show number nine we have paradise marble the okanagan eclipse the panorama mad hatters and five pin universe dream crushers are all competing so should be some good matches there. Some teams that have or Okanagan hasn't played since the very first week. So they're happy to get in. Yeah. It's been a long time since we've seen them play for sure. Great. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, I see Don Sim comment there. Yeah. We're, we're in Palm Springs right now. Look at that. <laughs> Where he's completing a 14 day unscheduled COVID holiday. <laughs> he's well, having to stay hope, a little longer than anticipated, I guess. Hope you're like. doing all right, buddy. Hope yeah. you're doing all right down yeah. there. Yeah. He's, he's probably part of the Quebec trip down there. Yeah, the, the influencers, the Quebec influencers. Yeah, the the Sunwing flight. Yeah, that yeah, was the yeah. Cancun, yeah. the party. Yeah, I can imagine Don Sim on that. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Carrie, I have to ask, what is the giant check behind your head? Oh, you like that? I've that's never. A... Oh, oh. That's because you get them for perfect games, sir. That's why you don't know what they are. <laughs> All right. Oh, you, you set them up for that one, Dex. <laughs> it was the printout yeah. from Bonnie Dune when I threw my perfect game there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, right next thanks. to that Green Bay piece of shit thing there. Hey. Number one team in playoffs <laughs> right now at the moment. 
Is that the bandwagon <laughs> that I should jump aboard, or what? I, yes, I'm, I'm a yes, free agent should... right now for the playoffs no, this year. No, no I'm a Green Bay fan for one year because Aaron Rodgers leaving and Green Bay will not be the same. I'll tell you what. This, what, so what about what about now. the Raiders? What about the Raiders guys? Like how clutch Nobody are cares, they? Tim, they're the fr- they're out in the first round. So let's move on. They did. Uh, they... <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a yeah. no arrests yet. Yeah. Let's be honest, guys. I'm cheering for Tom Brady and the Bucks. Let's oh, go, Bucks. Oh, go away. I'm just gonna mute his mic. That's that's enough. <laughs> no one needs uh, to hear that. Okay. Well, let, let's uh let's pay some bills here. You can become a patron at patreoncom universe for as little as two dollars a month and help support us. Us fools do this podcast every week and bring you. The people you're really here to listen to, the legends and the, the special guests of our sport. And hopefully, uh, maybe we'll get some guests from uh, another sport down south here soon. They're hitting the stride of their middle of their season. Maybe we'll get some 10 pinners on here soon. Yeah. They, uh, they say Belmont is co- Belmont, Belmo's coming back. That's right. He's going to be up and playing this weekend at the PBA, I think, Players' Championships they have this weekend. So. Um, they're just hitting full stride down in the States. That's good for them. Um, and then once again, we have an all-star giveaway. What should we do? Tim's IV or what should the hashtag be? (laughs) Something about this. Yeah. Black IDB. Yeah. Yeah. The the black IDBs. (laughs) (laughs) Black eye sweet pea. Yeah, oh, boy. that's taking me back. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Skinny D, <Hey>, yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. share that on the screen really quick just so know, everybody knows what they have to write down. <laughs> uh, hashtag Black IDB. Yeah. And uh, you'll be entered into All Stars Draw for next or for this week. And uh, we'll draw you at the end here. <laughs> All right, we'll run uh, the All Star commercial and then we'll bring in our special guest of the week. All right. So without further ado, um, a former proprietor of Chinook Bolodrome. Now from the island, we have Fran Clark. <laughs> how are you doing? Fran. Hey, Fran. Hey, how's it going, guys? Great. Good. Thank you very much for coming on and doing this and sharing stories with us and all that good stuff. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. If I can't dazzle you with brilliance, I'll try and baffle you with BS, but you know, it's typical <laughs> of a bowler, I think. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely right. That, that's for sure. You've certainly got lots that we can talk about, Fran. So it's it's mm-hmm. gonna be a good chat here. I know that you and Tim have worked hard and putting some stuff together. And we got lots of notes and pages here. It's gonna be like a check mark as oh, we go along. Okay. okay, yeah, check mark. Okay, next one, check mark, right? There'll be a lot of, <laughs> lot of things to chat about. <laughs> it'll, it'll be a true test of my Rolodex file. <laughs> yeah, you you did say though before you came on the the, the real reason why you did is because your buddy Colin Cure was uh, was chirping at you and saying it was yeah. it was it was time to go on at, over over some cards you you lost a bet or you lost a game yeah. of cards and yeah. say okay well, it's time to go each. on yeah yeah, yeah. he uh, <laughs> he told me I I needed to get off my butt and you know get out here and and uh, get on the show and I went oh yeah oh, okay uh, Tim did mention it a few months ago but. Mm. Anyways, it's all good. Thanks for having me, and uh, kudos to you guys for for all that you're doing for the sport of five pin bowling. It's great. Thank you. That, that's a it. big compliment coming from you. Yeah. yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, there are a few we, people we that have put as much effort into this sport as you have. That's for sure. 
Well, I'm just uh, humbled by the people I've been able to work with over the years, that's for sure. Uh, you know, I've been very fortunate to to have had some great people to work with. I'm just one of the workers. So. I was just going to say, you're giving us high praise. You did all the hard work. We're just literally sitting in our own room staring at a computer screen. <laughs> the builders of our sport, and uh, we're getting yeah. all the compliments. So. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> it's all good. It's, it's been a great ride, that's for sure. Good. Well, DB, want to take her away? Well, I don't know with this with this big <laughs> with all these pages here, Fran. I thought that we'd be just nice and gentle on you and see where you wanted to start this all off. And and I mean, you've got yeah. I mean technical experience. You got administration. You got ownership of the lanes. You've got you know we a 1983 Canada Winter Games moment as well. I mean, there's there's so much here. Um, where do you think that would be a fun spot to start on on Fran Clark? And maybe it's maybe it's you as a bull, or where did you start in the game when you were young and kid? So let's uh, let's see where yeah, you want to sure. take us here. Let's, let's well, you know, I, uh, like like many people, I started off in YBC. Um, started off at a later age uh, than some. I think I was about nine years old when I started, and uh, you know, got going there and went every week. Uh, I sucked at bowling, but I kept persevering and. My family kept saying, you've got to do something on Saturdays. You're not staying at home watching cartoons, so get out and bowl. So I, uh, we lived a few blocks from Gibson's Westbrook Bowling Calgary. So um, I joined the Youth Bowling League there and kept on going. And, uh, you know, I bowled in that league until I was 18. And it just happened that uh, when I was 18, that was the year they changed the, uh, the age limit from 21 down to 18. So all of a sudden, there was a bunch of us found ourselves out of YBC. So um, I, I said to Ken Gibson, our proprietor, uh, my mentor when it comes to uh, proprietors, you know, I, I'd like to coach YBC. And he said, no, you can't do that yet. He said, come back in a year. And if you still want to coach, I'll, I'll put you through the clinic. So uh, I think it was 1976, 1977, actually, I think I uh, took the instructor's clinic because back then it was the instructor's clinic was the first thing you had to take. So I took that, joined the Masters in 1977, you know, card holder number 272. And <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow. What number are we at now, guys? We're, oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm number, we're like 4,200 or something, right? Yeah, 4,222 is mine. Yeah. Well, wow. well I, I won't tell you what my NCCP number is then, but it is four digits. Oh, <laughs> so, anyways, I, anyways, I digress. So, they used to have a soccer when, when soccer in Edmonton started. I was playing for the, one of the like the higher level teams. It was so, not so, soccer in Edmonton, but the registration and the league ID numbers. And I was on one of the, the teams that we were the first to register. And I was, you know, a 16 year old playing men's league, and that was the highest level that we were playing. And my, my number was numbers like 14. Kind of thing, and there's like thousands, forty-eight thousand of them now, and I was number fourteen. So a similar story to yours. I just lucky that the team that I was got selected first to start registration numbers. Go. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I I took the level one, not the level one. I took the coaches clinic because we had the instructors clinic and then the coaches clinic. So a couple of years later, I took the coaches clinic, and I enjoyed that. I I also took the theory clinic because the coaches clinic was just technical back then. You had to take a separate level one theory course, and then you were certified level one. Same thing for level two. Anyway, so I did that, and uh, uh, Bill Plum was around in those days. He uh, he was a technical guru, and uh, uh, I talked to him and said, you know, if you ever need help giving clinics, I uh, you know I'd, I'd be happy to help. So 
1980-81, he said, I'm going to get some people involved in training to become a course conductor. If you're still interested, we'll do that. So that's where we got going. And I did my first clinic in uh, September of 1981. Oh, and I've done you know, about 115 of them since, give or take a bit. You know, that's, that's instructors' clinics, coaches' clinics, uh, level one technical, level two technical, um, you know, and now community sport initiation, uh, intro to competition uh, workshops and uh, facilitator training as well, and lane inspection work as well. I, uh, I did lane inspection training and was a lane agent as well. Mm. Yeah, so so, so I, I mean, in retrospect, you've uh, you certified over a thousand people. Um, yeah, probably closer to fifteen hundred. Actually, yeah. I'm anal. I, I keep a list of what workshops I've done over the years and where they were, <laughs> yeah. and how many people were in them, and yeah. uh, it's it's well over fourteen hundred people. That's yeah. crazy. So, I mean, I, I've been very fortunate. I've I've gone coast to coast for bowling uh, at least twice. I've been up to Yellowknife. I went up to Yellowknife uh, oh a long time ago and uh, did a lane agent training on the Friday night and then did a level two technical clinic Saturday and Sunday. And, um, you know, it was a, an action packed weekend. I remember leaving, it was end of February and Calgary had a Chinook. It was 22 Celsius when I left Calgary and Mary Lynn picked me up at the airport in Yellowknife. And I said, you know, I left, I left 22 Celsius weather. She says, well, it's like a Chinook here. It's only minus 20 and the wind is only coming from the North at 30. It's great here. No doubt. But, no uh, doubt. but it was fun because she took me out to the lake and I actually walked on water. So, you know, it was kind of fun. <laughs> water was frozen, so that was a good thing because I don't swim well. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, what would a course have looked like uh, for training back in 1980, you know, when you first started out delivering courses and give training and, and type of people? Oh, yeah. The instructor's clinic, I mean, it was all technical. And, and that was the thing. I mean, I'm a purist bowler. There's never enough technical in our workshops. And even more, so, more so now. But uh, yeah, the instructor's clinic was a, a one-day session. I think it was six or seven hours in length. And then if you wanted to take the coach's clinic, it was a weekend session. And then the theory was another full day as well, usually held at uh, college or university campuses. And, um, and then you had to apply for practical status as well. But it was, it was all technical. Um, when we started rewriting the, um, that, I, Ernie Rogie was uh, the national technical director. He was from the Master Bowlers of Canada and uh, another one of my mentors when it comes to technical stuff. Uh, he decided we needed to rewrite things. Uh, he and the, the government was kind of pushing too, I believe. Anyways, we combined the instructor's clinic and part of the coach's clinic uh, into what was then level one. And then we took yeah. the rest of the coaches clinic, added more to it, um, role of the coach, mental preparation, that sort of stuff, and made a level two clinic. And then after that, there was also the theory. And then we started to work on level three. Uh, again, digging through my archives to get ready for tonight, I found my draft of level three technical. I was responsible for doing the section on the role of the coach. And I found my draft, it's about that thick. And I went, oh, geez, yes, I remember this too. And, you know, I consulted with people from across Canada to get their input into uh, what they felt the role of the coach was. You know, I, I got responses from the likes of uh, Lynn and Bruce, uh, Ken Norris, uh, Claudina Lista, Dylas Turner, one of my mentors in coaching. Um, you know, Lynn Howell is my other mentor in coaching as well. Um, 
you know, uh, Sandy Anderson from Winnipeg, uh, you know, I got all sorts of responses from different people and put that together, which of course it was mothballed and, you know, it's never seen daylight until I pulled it out of the box today. But uh, yeah. I, I, had heard, that. I had heard rumors that like Tom at some point had run a level three clinic. Am I right about that? We didn't have level three technical. We, we okay. never did get it all together. Everybody yeah. was responsible for different sections. We had like, the typical six different sections of it, and uh, we never did get together on it. Uh, you know, I was part of the National Technical Committee for a few years, and that was our project was we'd get together once or twice a year in person and go through things and, and delegate work to everybody. We'd go back, work on our stuff, get together again, go over it, uh, revamp, revise, we, we also looked after things like the scorekeepers clinic, the judge of play clinic, which is now combined into a tournament officials clinic as well. Right. I can remember revising the judge of play clinic by phone with, uh, it was either Kevin Jepson or Robert Cameron, which whoever was the technical director at the time. And I was still working in the oil patch. I was a finance analyst with uh, Gulf <laughs> Canada at the time. And we spent three hours on the phone uh, going through and revamping the judge of play clinic. And, uh, Al Hong was the uh, the executive director at the time. He said, I think it was Bob Cameron. He said to Bob, what the heck have you been doing on the phone for three hours? He says, oh, Fran and I just sorted out the Judge of Play Clinic. I'm going to I'm gonna edit it and, and get it printed. And he says, three hours on the phone? Do you know what the long distance charge is? He says, well, do you know what the airfare would have been to get her out here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, we'll exactly. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. I, I think a level three coaching clinic even at this point would be absolutely amazing. It's there's definitely a major yeah. step up from where we are at with our competitive stream. There's yeah. definitely a, a big step that can be taken after that. And I yeah. would love to see that come to fruition at some point in time. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, as you know, we, we just did the first pilot workshop for the virtual community sport initiation mm -hmm. workshop in November. And, my husband, Paul, he's, he's a computer guy, and he's, he's been bugging me, and then I in turn bugged Dave Post for years saying, we've got to get online, we've got to get online. We're behind the eight ball, and well, now we're finally getting there. But the only thing that bugs me, and I'm coming from my purest boulder state of mind, is that it's so much theory, and in my mind, just not enough technical. And now when you're doing the virtual workshop, you don't get the, the students, the participants on the lane. So they don't get to experience what you're explaining to them or what they're discovering through going through the resource material. And um, I mean, I'm concerned about the quality of the coaches that we get out of those, but at the same time, um, it, the onus is on the participants as well to go through the material, take it to the bowling center, try it on and, and see how it goes. Is, the, yeah. is there an opportunity to do, you know, live stream with them all sort of what we're doing here right now if you're all in the group setting, maybe they're at the bowling alley and they can go set the camera up behind them. I mean, yeah. again, adapting to the times and where we're at and what we're doing, yeah. you know, yeah. kudos, I mean, you know, five you know, you know, yeah. or eight gamer or stuff like we're proving that this technology exists and you could probably do that. Is that something that I, I would love to see that happen too. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's a, a must have down the road. That's for sure. But we've got some tweaking to do with uh, yeah. the virtual mm -hmm. presentation and then, you know, it's it's another step to get to the comp intro one as well and get that one online. You know, I, I always, when we were in Calgary, of course, I, I was a native Calgarian until we moved out here. 
And, you know, we always thought it was hard like going to the open provincials. I remember going to Camrose in 88 to play and they'd had a blizzard and they were under feet and feet of snow. We didn't know if we were going to get there or not. You know, and, and I always said it's so hard to travel to tournaments in, in Alberta with winter conditions and whatnot. When you get out here, it's brutal. It's yeah. just brutal. I mean, we're here on the island. Yeah. So I mean, we had the Open Provincials in uh, Prince George in 2017, I think it was. We flew up. Some people drove, like the Cummings and the Evies, they carpooled and they drove up. Well, Linda Raymond and I flew, uh, and many people flew, but... It's on our own tab. We don't get any funding. So, I mean, it's a thousand dollar weekend easy to go up there. And, you know, like it was great going up to Prince George, but, you know, it's hard to get there. And it was, you know, if, if weather, if a storm came up, uh, the people that were driving, who knows if they would have got there or not. We did a, I did a comp intro workshop in Duncan, which is uh, an hour south of us here on the island. And some guys came over from the mainland because they needed the uh, the workshop. So we're doing it at the bowling center in Duncan and we got snowed in and they got snowed in even worse on the mainland. We didn't know if they were going to get back home or not and what condition they'd be in or how long it was going to take them. But yet they do whatever it takes to get to the clinic, to get to the tournament, that sort of thing. You're absolutely right, Fran. And like there you are, you guys are making the trip up to PG for one tournament. And then you think about those people who have to do that every year from PG to go down yeah. to, you know, yeah. whether it's Vancouver yeah. or the Okanagan or the island. It's it's yeah. the the cost of participating in BC is astronomical. Yeah, it, it's brutal. And, you know, we're, we're lucky we have uh, six zones in, in BC right now. And so every six years we get the host. So the last time we had the open provincials in BC was in 2019 and, and yay, hooray, it was in Nanaimo at uh, Brecken Lanes, Ray Britton's house. And, uh, you know, it was great. We didn't have to travel. So we sprung for new bowling shirts, which I've, I've got behind me, you know, compliments of some certain group in Edmonton. Yeah. <laughs> getting, getting on the, the bandwagon there and, and getting us some nice shirts. And, and, uh, you know, so, we didn't have to spend money to travel as much. So we got new shirts. We still had to pay for them, but we got new shirts yeah. and uh, you know, it's great. I mean, it's, it's a great shirt. I, I wear it when I'm coaching the YBC at, at Brecken lanes uh, quite often on Saturday mornings, but, uh, but yeah, travel's a pain. And, and, you know, same thing with the workshops. Um, you know, it was Russell Hunt's fault that I, I ended up doing some workshops here in BC because I just sort of snuck into BC didn't tell anyone, although, you know, we hadn't even moved out here. And Linda Raymond phoned me in 2016 in January and said, I made the Island ladies team. We need a coach. So you're going to be it, right? You <laughs> just say, oh, yes, ma'am. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, anyway, so I said, well, I don't live there. I can't coach. She says, yes, you can. You have a house here. You're just not in it yet. So, you know, I, we came out and we were coming out every five or six weeks anyways, bringing more stuff with us from Calgary and putting it into the house and uh you know we ended up going to vernon for the provincial so we drove out to the island two days later for me to drive back to vernon with linda yeah. you know and then we drove back here to the island um and we packed up our stuff and drove back to calgary <laughs> you know? but uh, anyways it, it was all fun and you know I, i've got to say the uh, the bowlers on the island uh, they're a great group they don't get as much experience as the bowlers on the lower mainland because i mean travel um, you know, the island, I, I could have people on the team that have to drive three hours for a practice. 
you know, and, and the bowlers from Victoria that make the team, there's not a five pin center in Victoria. They drive to Duncan to bowl a league. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, a 45, 50 minute drive for them. So the travel is, is always uh, a concern out here. That's for sure. I mean, not that it isn't anywhere else, but uh, it, it really came to, to light for me moving out here. Yeah. We're definitely very fortunate here in Alberta. We, we've said it over yeah. and over. We are very, very lucky. It yeah. blows my mind that Victoria does not have uh, yeah. the center. Yeah. Just blows my mind. Well, my, my sister, she was one of the top bowlers on the island many years ago, my younger sister. And her daughter is also a good bowler in YBC as well. And, um, you know, when they heard that there was going to be a bowling center open up in Langford, my sister was going, this is great. You know, we can get leagues going again. We can start qualifying this, that, and the other thing. I might even get my bowling shoes out and bowl again. And, and then they found it was going to be 10-pin. It was actually on the local news tonight. They were doing a, you know, a, an insert from Langford Lanes. And I went, yeah, yeah, it's 10 pin. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. there's some bowling exposure. What the heck? Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, the, the centers are dwindling. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of issues there. A lot of centers up north uh, don't join Bowl Canada because they don't get anything out of it. Yeah. You know, so it's, um, yeah. you know, it's hard. And of course, we saw the same thing in Alberta when I was on the Bull Alberta Board of Directors. We we saw numbers uh, going down, you know, bit by bit because some of the uh, the more rural centers were saying, "What's in it for us?" So, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you guys have, <laughs> which I'm sure is the last handset center in. Canada, well, who, who knows in Canada, <laughs> in North America for bowling as a general, and I'm sure on the island there, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Super neat. Two-lane handset house. Yeah where, yeah. where is that at? Oh, why can't I think of the name? Yubu. Yes. Yeah, we, we tried to get in there one day, but they weren't open. So uh, I don't I don't know if, if they're still uh, entertaining customers or not. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that's where it is. Yeah, super neat. That'd be fun. That's right? cool. Yeah. 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 Let's go um, to some of your competitive, some of your, your own bowling for a little bit, Fran. Um, you know, bowling in the open yourself, obviously a bit of success playing on yeah. some open teams out of Calgary. Uh, mm -hmm. Reminisce with us there on, on your playing experiences for the open. Well, you know, I think my, my, my bowling days were sadly in the 80s. Um, you know, Paul and I, we, we go bowling every Tuesday morning at the little bowling center five minutes away from us. It's a six-lane center. So every time I walk in there, I think I still get a bit of claustrophobia. You know, going from, yeah, from yes. our, I mean, I'm still used to our 32 lanes at Chinook, but I, I go yeah. in and, yeah, okay, all right, we'll we'll go play bowling. But, you know, thankfully they've got the Brunswick Framework scoring system, so uh, I'm, I'm good with that. I can help, you know, the folks do scoring changes, and, you know, I, I process our league stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, anyways, um, yeah, the 80s were, were my, my heyday. I won a tournament master's event, um, at Fort Saskatchewan in 87. I think uh, 86, 87 was probably my best season. I had, uh, I think I was averaging in the 240s there. I played three leagues a week. I practiced three nights a week. I took one day off a week. Wow. Uh, you know, again, going through the archives um, this morning, I came across this very tarnished key and it was on a keychain, and it said, this is what used to be the key to Gibson's Westbrook Bowl. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I was... Working on my bowling, Ken Gibson gave me a key to the bowling center, and he said, come in and practice anytime you want. Lock yourself in. When you leave, lock the door. Don't let anyone else in. 
Have a good time. Play well. <laughs> but anyways, awesome. I, I found that key today. But anyways, yeah, I, I, I want to. Tim Dex, you hear that? You hear that, Tim Dex, for your loyal <laughs> customers who really want some? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah get lots of keys printed, think? guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Check my just, boo yeah. sales. Just, yeah. just not too many codes. <laughs> yeah, you can have all the yeah. keys you want, but the police are coming. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I had my um, my my personal best was the Fort Saskatchewan tournament. I won it with a twenty two forty eight. Nice. And one of my protégés, she was in her first or second year of masters. I coached her through YBC. Um, you know, I thought I was doing pretty good. I mean, I had a 1571 for the first five games. You know, I had 18 something for six, and I thought, well, I must be doing pretty good. But uh, she uh, she was only four points behind me when the last ball was thrown, and I think Diane was 14 points behind me as well. I mean, it, it was a high scoring event, and that's when you could bowl either Saturday night or Sunday morning. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. But we did that, and I think that season I had uh, three, four hundred games, two at Chinook, one at Gibson's. Uh, two of the games were within about four or five weeks of each other. But, uh, you know, I, I did that, but I um, I made, I think it was three or four ladies' teams and a couple of mixed teams. And then, you know, my bowling started to drift off a little bit. It, it wasn't as important. I was getting more into the technical side of things. And... Um, I had, I had made the ladies team in 82 and 83. Um, and then I didn't make the team in 84. I was devastated because I, you know, I, I finally broke through and, and started making the teams. I, I was a decent bowler. Anyways, I didn't make the team in 84. So I put my name into coach fully expecting to get the ladies team. Well, I didn't get the ladies team. I got the mixed team. And I'm, what do you mean I got the mixed team? What the heck? So I, I phoned, our ladies team coach from 82, Charles Williams. And I said, yeah, yeah I got the mixed team. I, I so wanted the ladies team. And she said, no, no, Frank, you want the mixed team. The mixed team is the best team to coach. And also I went, yeah, okay. So I, I coached the mixed team and we bowled in Edmonton and uh, we won. You know, I mean, we it got down to the last game and uh, we came out on top. So we went to Saskatoon. Uh, Eastview, I think, was where we were playing in, in 84 for the Nationals. And uh, we bowled eight games a day or something like that. And anyways, the, the last day, I think we had to bowl six games. And we were in ninth place out of 10 teams after, uh, after the first two days. And I'm going, yeah, this is not what we thought it was going to be. And in six games, we went from ninth to third and won bronze. It was just an amazing turnaround. Um, you know, it was great. We, uh, uh, Joe Wood was on that team. Um, Brian McGilvery, a, a fellow from Quebec, who ended up going back to Quebec. Al Shear, who moved out to BC. Uh, Bill Schwamm, who's uh, you know still been bowling. I think he's still bowling some Master Seniors events. And then for the ladies, we had Barb Douglas, which is Ann Norris's sister. We had a lady by the name of B. McPhail. She was a, an older lady, and she was just the neatest lady because she bowled the men and she beat them occasionally and, and they would just be devastated. Because <laughs> the old lady is mopping the floor with them. And then we had a gal by the name of Tammy Richardson. And uh, anyways, they just gelled really well as a team, especially that last day. And, you know, it was a great, a great finish. Yeah. Those, uh, those days where, you know, we all want to go out and we all want to win, but mm -hmm. the, that bronze medal when you come back from that far, sometimes that's just as good as gold. It's oh, yeah. uh, it's yeah. how you get the medal that really matters. And yeah, those, yeah. Could would it, would it have been the two team. subs? Like, would you have seven players? In the you team? Had two subs. Yeah. So you had two subs. Yeah. Now, how, how often 
would you have made two subs in a game? And uh, does that come up often or what was the, often. was the strategy? Um, yeah. Yeah. Quite often. It, it was neat because of course you could, you could sub a man in for a woman um, and a woman in for a man, as long as you had three and two, you know, so it worked well. I mean, uh, we had the same thing in 2000 with our mixed team when we won gold at the nationals that year. Uh, quite often I would, I would pull a woman out, put a man in and then in the same frame do the other way so that we'd maintain our three and two. And so there was times where I I pull yeah, three women. I start, start with three, you start with three ladies, or depending on how you start it. Yeah. So you can yeah. put you pull a lady out, you put a man in, and then you still have two ladies in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could see how it how it would go. But uh, was there some strategy, you know, on that that the first pull you want to make it quick, like within third frame, or it didn't really matter. Still, sort of the my, first pull you waited fifth, sixth, something like that. Like how did how was the mentality that making this? I, I always said to the bowlers, you have three frames to prove yourself. No, no pressure here. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it would depend on how they were throwing the ball, how they came off the lanes, like their, their attitude as well, and how they were affecting their teammates as well. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm from the Lynn Howell School, where I believe in lots of positive feedback. I, I avoid negative, and it's always trying to, to provide an environment where, where the players can be motivated. Because I can't motivate you, but I can provide the environment or contribute to the environment so that you're motivated. And uh, you know, it's it's it's. I, I tried to stick to the three or four frames depending on the kind of ball they were throwing. And uh, you know, if I had to make the pull, it's okay. This is for your own good. Yeah. Uh, you know, take a break. Think. You know, regroup. Get ready because you're going back in the next game. And, uh, you know, I, I would try and do that as much as possible. Sometimes it didn't work. I mean, I, I know I coached a couple of ladies teams where one of the players would pull themselves when I was getting ready to pull somebody else. They'd come off the lane and say, I'm out of here. And I'm, oh, wait, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that's not the plan. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a good strategy. It, it, was, uh, it was good. I mean, in 2000, when, uh, when I coached our, our mixed team and we were playing at home at Chinook, um, you know, the last day uh, we lost a player. He didn't. He didn't come to play. He he wasn't bowling well. And he said to me on the Friday night, um, "Get John Dermison in. Uh, he he's the sub. He's the alternate. Get him in tomorrow to play. Um, just tell him my leg is sore and I can't play." And I said, "No, you be here tomorrow. You're part of this team." Well, he didn't show up the next day, and we could not put the alternate in because I can't lie. He just didn't show up. He's not sick. I can't put the wow. alternate in. That's integrity. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know it was tough. So we played with six players. We could only do one one pull a game. But uh, you know we were ten points down with four games to go the last day at Chinook, and uh, we won. That's awesome. You know, it was just that the team really really bonded well together, and uh, you know we just we won. And Doug Goodman was on that team, and he was always gruff. Uh, I mean, he had coached me a couple times. I coached him a couple times, and. And uh, he uh, he really had an about face because he was sulking almost as badly as the fellow that didn't come back to bowl the last day. And and when he realized that we were down to to six players, he really turned things around and and he was a good a good contributor to our our ultimate outcome. But that was a great team. I mean, we had uh, we had Tracy Holsworth, uh, we had Jeanette uh, Doyle, uh, we had Gail Alaschuk who was a candlepin bowler and she only made a couple of teams in Calgary, but uh, she was a candlepin bowler and she worked at Chinook 
And, uh, you know, those candle pin boulders, they just blow us out of the, the ballpark when they come and try <laughs> for the first time. Our men, we had Greg Cook, we had Doug Goodman, we had uh, uh, Lenny Farrell, and, and then for the Nationals, we had John Dernison come in and, you know, talk about lighting a fire and you. John could just get the whole house going. Yeah, He was, he was amazing. It's, it's so, amazing. I was going to say, I imagine that player didn't get to go travel to Nationals with you. Uh, no. no. I, I hope he didn't get a medal either. And uh, he's no, no longer around, probably. Yeah. No, he, uh, unfortunately, and he, he felt he was doing the best for the team by not showing up. And I just said, no, you know, that... It, it hurt, but and he he ended up uh, getting suspended for failure to to finish the, the tournament. But, uh, but it's but fun anyways, how teams can rally when when something yeah. major like that happens. Yeah. it kind of like dissolves all the yeah. distractions around you, and it just becomes yeah. one cohesive unit. And that's well, yeah, you know, it was. And Greg Cook, I mean, talk about calm, cool, and collected. Um, I mean, I think that was the first team he had made in Alberta when he moved from. Uh, from Saskatchewan. And, uh, you know, he just said, yeah, you know, put me anywhere, leave me on the bench, do whatever you want. And he was just so calm, cool and collected. He played anchor most of the time. And uh, he was, he was really good. And, you know, at the nationals, when we played Ontario, they would put Elizabeth Nichols in anchor and she was their top bowler. And, you know, I just left Greg there. It was comfortable. You know, Tracy was lead off. Greg was anchor. Everybody else was in the middle. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it, uh, it it worked out really well. Tracy was a super leadoff bowler. I usually had uh, Gail or Jeanette following her, and then uh, Lenny and Doug, or yeah. John. But you know, in the last game, um, of course, we had to do step ladder. Um, actually, no, it was page system. Right in two thousand was page playoffs for the finals. So um, we we qualified third. And, uh, you know, Doug Goodman's motto after we won provincials was, it's in the cards, you guys, it's in the cards. And that's all he kept saying uh, when we got to the Nationals was, it's in the cards. And that was our our cheer every at the beginning of every game was, it's in the cards. And, you know, we we ended up, uh, I did two pulls in the last game, and and, uh, I pulled Jeanette out and put Gail in. I pulled Lenny out and put John in. And I always remember the Ontario coach, his name escapes me at the moment, but he smirked when I made the second pull. He smirked. And I said to myself, oh, don't smirk. You have no idea what's coming at you right now. You know, Gail went, uh, she finished off the eighth frame for Jeanette through strike, strike, strike corner to finish her game. And John, well, John just went ballistic. He uh, he (laughs) was all over the approach it was great we had to try and settle him down but i mean we we uh, had such a strong finish that we just left ontario uh, you know sitting there going what happened yeah it's over um how about a fairly informal poll here with all of our listeners carrie um mixed team seven player team or six player team i think we'll know it's probably a fairly high number for seven but let's let's everybody out there for mixed teams at the open, would you like a seven player or six mm-hmm. player? So that's what we want to see. Seven player, yeah. six player. Hey, yeah. what do you guys I think? think? It, I think seven player gives a different dynamic all to it, right? Absolutely. I love the seven player. It's yeah. just amazing, yeah. right? It's so much fun. Yeah, it, it did. You know, and I know it was a cost factor in, in reducing expenses and Impressive. things like that, but uh, it, it was fun. It gave, it gave the coach so many more options, you know, and uh, it was great. I, I liked it. 
Man, I think it, Brad, it gives the players a lot too, right? Like mm-hmm. you have two of them on the bench, but with that much leeway to make pulls and stuff like that, like you literally could be in the game at any point, mm-hmm. you, yeah. right? You're you're not yeah. stuck there, like oh, waiting for one player that's kind of struggling, then somebody else starts struggling. You you got to choose between two. Well, you can replace both. You don't have to worry yeah. about the the single, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. That way. I mean, we all play enough opens where we're kind of hoping someone else gets pulled when you're both struggling. Is it me or is it or is me or Terry? <laughs> Just right? hold on, baby. Just, yeah. Yeah, hold uh, on. Right? And, and, and you know, and you know, it's coming at some point, right? So if you have both pulls, uh, it's going to be inevitable, right? Well, <laughs> it's, seven, just... it's almost like it doesn't matter if I get pulled. There's you've got two options to come in. So coach yeah, feels exactly. that I'm not good enough right now. Go ahead, guys. You're in. You go. I think for, for yeah. seven players. It's a lot more involved in a lot more coaching and a lot mm-hmm. more team cohesiveness because you got to be ready for anything and it's you got to be okay with it. If you're not yeah. okay with a pull, that's when you get trouble. I think in conflict would probably happen, but um, you really got to you got to work on that team cohesive if there's seven people mm-hmm. on a team for sure. And like, hey, no, this, yeah, this is gonna be fun. Are definitely. you allowed to pull somebody that got put in? So like if he got put in like the third frame or whatever, and they go punch, no. punch, 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 and no. then yank, no. you can't yank him too. Maybe, you can't maybe, put them back maybe, in. maybe the maybe no, no, not put him back in. Like pull, pull the guy that got put in. Oh no, no. no. Okay. No. I would have done. No, that I never saw percent. that happen, so I, I got to say no. I think uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hmm. it's neat though. I mean, obviously, overwhelmingly, most people prefer the seven player. But I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a special team and special people. It's a, it's, it's just super neat to play on it. But you got to be ready for yeah. it. You got to be aware of what's going on, right? And mm-hmm. okay with sitting on the bench because you're going to be sitting on the bench or somebody's going to be. So you got to be okay with it. It's sure yeah. tough oh, enough pretty quick. Right? Yeah, yeah. But you know that I mean, the mixed teams were. I always enjoyed coaching the mixed teams. I mean, uh, you know, it was fun. I mean, I, I enjoy any team that I've been coaching, and and uh, you know, certainly uh, one of one of my interesting memories is I got to coach Stan Black on okay. a men's team um, in '88 when we went to Camrose, and uh, I remember when we were getting ready, uh, you know, we were practicing and all that stuff, and I said, you know, Stan, tell me. Tell me what you think about. You're like, what are you thinking about? What do you want me to tell you when you're on the approach? He says, I'm not going to tell you. I might have to bull you someday. Yeah. You're not getting in my head. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Wait, you know, Stan, Stan never slapped hands. I mean, he was he was very uh, internalized, if you will. But anyways, we get to Camrose, and I put him in anchor. You know, I got I got Don Sim on the team, um, uh, Murray Young, um, and Murray was a funny story about that year too, but you know, and Stan, anyways, we, we, Dave Sanderson was on that team, senior, not David. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, we, uh, you know, we, we get there and I put Stan in anchor and we're bowling in cameras. And I, I just said to Stan, you know, you do your thing. You need to, you need to be here. And he says, Fran, I will stand at the back. And when the fourth player comes up, I will come down. And I'll get ready. I'll be ready to bowl when it's my turn. Okay, Stan. Anyways, he uh, the first day he averaged 291. Um, he would stand at the back. He'd have his glasses on, and he'd just be watching everything. And then when the fourth player went up, he'd take his glasses off, put it in his pocket. He'd come down, and he'd stand beside me. And when the fourth bowler was done, he'd go up in the lane. He'd do his thing. we get to the last frame, and he'd come down following his same routine, and he'd say, how does it look? And this one game in particular, I said, Stan, you need a double and a big count to win your match and get total. 
it's it's a meter. Okay. He gets down there. He throws beautiful pocket strike. Second ball, beautiful pocket strike. Third ball, beautiful pocket strike. He doesn't show any emotion, but when he got that third strike, he actually did a little fist pump when he came off the lane. Well, we were in awe. Yeah, you guys, it's just and like, he, actually, you, you, he actually reached up and slapped a hand and smiled to boot. <laughs> so he, he was never one for, for medals. He thought they were a joke to give second and third medals, like, you know, silver and bronze. The year before, the Calgary men had medaled, and he refused to accept his medal. So we ended up, I think it was second in Camrose. So before the, uh, the banquet, I said, Stan, I need you to do me one more thing. And he says, and what is that? And I said, uh, I said, I need you to accept the medal graciously. He says, you know, I'll do anything. Just get out of the way of the TV. I'm watching the hockey game. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm holding you to this. So anyways, he, uh, he did accept the medal. And the Southern men all got up and shook his hand when he accepted the medal. That's awesome. So that was uh, my my memory of Stan Black, but uh... but awfully tough. I mean, you have a player who excelled at his game and averaged two ninety one and made big shots. How can you 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 can't ask him to do a whole lot? You know, a guy Mark no. Jackson, not yeah. I mean, not got excited, yeah. but he also was in his routine. I think we've heard before. You know, a guy like Tom yeah. Patterson was in his routine in the back and and does yeah. his thing. So guys are like you said, internalize them. You sort of have to respect the space a little bit yeah. and let them do their exactly. thing. Yeah. As long as they're executing on the lane, it's it's a tough. Yeah. It's it's got to be tough for team members and as a coach to to yeah. navigate that, yeah, right? For but sure, the reality well, is it exists exactly. And and another thing, you know, when you when you talk about that, um, the tournament ladies' masters team in '95, um, we played at uh, KG, and um, that was the year that that the Alberta tournament ladies won gold for the first time ever. And we had uh, Bev Gigluck was on the team, Tracy Smith, Penny Noble. Uh, Stacy Bradshaw and Leanne Eric, oh, yeah. and uh, you know Brian Rossetti was uh, he was on the men's team that year, and he says, "Yeah, he says you're not a great team, but you know you you'll probably play really well together." And I went, "Well, you know that's their goals. I mean, we we met in Red Deer, we had a couple of practices, and you know all the girls said we we want to win, but we don't want to waste a lot of energy doing a lot of raw raw cheering and, and that sort of thing. I mean, let, let's let's just focus on bowling and be supportive." Okay, so Bev was lead off, Leanne was usually anchor, and of course there's no subs there. So, I mean, we started the tournament, and we lost our first two games, and we went, eh, okay, well, you know, those games are done. We don't, well, let's not waste time thinking about them, let's just go out and play. So we, uh, I mean, we won the next 12 or 14 games in a row. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we, the first day we were down in the standings. The second day we, we played a whole lot better. And at the end of the day, I looked at the standings and went, hmm, we didn't move. Hmm, interesting. Oh, well, we'll see what happens the third day. So we go out the third day and we just, we won every game. So I never looked at the scores in between games. I mean, we were just involved in, in our games. And uh, went up after the, the day was over and, and people walking by patting me on the back going, way to go, congratulations, yeah, good job, good job. And, what are you talking about? I looked at the standings and all of a sudden, boom, we were in first by 14 points, uh -oh. you know, with two games to go the next day. Anyways, we, we ended up winning, but, you know, it was funny. We were a very quiet team. I mean, we slapped hands. Uh, some of the girls actually sat while they were waiting for their turn. <laughs> and we, uh, we went to Bowl Manitoba the first day, and Dylas Turner's coaching the Manitoba ladies. And, of course, 
you know, a guy was, I, I admired for many, many years as a coach and, and a proprietor as well. But anyways, she came up to us in about the third frame. She leans over to me. She says, Fran, have, have we offended you? And I went, oh, why? She says, well, you're so quiet. And I said, oh, no, no, that, that's just our team. We just, we're just not raw, raw, rambunctious. We're just in our game, in our zone. Oh, she says, okay, I just want to make sure we're okay. Went, yeah, it's all good. You know, and uh, the tournament went on and we played Quebec one game and then there was a little bit of a delay and we were waiting to play Ontario. So we're, we're getting ready to go down and one of the Quebec bowlers comes over to me and she says, Fran, I just want to let you know that we've overheard Ontario. They're going to come out screaming at you because they know you're quiet and we like your team. So we just wanted to tell you to be prepared. And I went, well, I appreciate that. So I said, Ontario's going to come out screaming. So, you know, just so we know. By the third frame, Ontario was very quiet. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and do what you want to do. That's fine. I'm going to do me. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we just uh, we just stayed within ourselves and uh, we ended up winning. And, and it was... It was a very emotional uh, final day for all of us because it was something that Alberta hadn't achieved before. And, you know, we, uh, I, I always said to the, the ladies at the end of it, I said, savor this time because it will never happen like this again. So, you know, just soak it up. And, and I still say that to people. Get the best out of your event. Um, you know, it's, this is only going to happen this way once. We could all be together again, but it'll be different the next time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, those are my standouts, uh, you know, and certainly the Canada Winter Games. I mean, you know, what can you yeah, say? Yeah, that's here, there. That we talked, yeah, earlier I mentioned the 83. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a number of people that we've interviewed amazing. or chatted with over the next last few months. It's amazing how many people were at that event. So yeah, how, uh, you obviously were there too, Fran. Talk us about yeah, uh, well, you know, the 83 Winter Games. Yeah. It was it was fun. Um, you know, Bill Douglas, as he mentioned, uh, he had the men's team. We had the, I had the ladies' team. And and never the twain should meet, I mean, because they bowled the opposite shift of us. I mean, we had 12 lanes there. There were two divisions uh, in the ladies, two divisions in the men. So there was 12, 12 uh, teams participating in each. So we would bowl the morning, the men would bowl the afternoon, vice versa. And they had six lanes at the uh, CFB Bagotville, six permanent lanes. And then like Bill was saying, they, uh, they built six portable lanes in the gymnasium. And you know, it was amazing. But uh, we bowled, we bowled uh, I think, two shifts on the, the uh, permanent lanes and one on the portable lanes. And then when we got to the uh, finals, we played on the uh, portable lanes because that's where CBC had the lights and cameras all set up. But it, it was fun. And like I was saying to you guys before we went on air, uh, we flew, and, and we're really dating ourselves here, we flew Pacific Western Airlines <laughs> charter flight to uh, to Bagotville, to CFB Bagotville, and we were in the first week of competition, and uh, they flew all the athletes out and the chef de mission uh, group. We, we went out, and of course, Alberta bowlers, like Bill said, we always got the cowboy hats, and back then it was the white cowboy hats, and we got special ones for the Winter Games. Don Sim got us really special ones. Fancy. Anyways, we, we go to get off the plane and, and we landed. They bring over the stairs and we're walking down towards the tarmac and the media's all there because Alberta was, I think, the first province in. The media's there and they saw all these athletes starting to come off and then they saw these cowboy hats and they said, what's with the cowboy hats? And they said, oh yeah, the Alberta bowlers have them. Everybody back on the plane. Uh, we want the people with the cowboy hats to come off the plane first. <laughs> 
because we're we're taping this for posterity. It's going to be in the paper, yada yada. So, you know, all the other athletes are going. Bowling shouldn't even be here. Why are they coming off the plane first? <laughs> you know, so that's all fine. We get to our residence, the dorms. It was a school, and of course, the guys were miles away from us. So we get in, and there's 18 girls to a room, and we're in with some skiers. And they looked at us, looked at us, and said, "Bowling, bowling. What are you doing here?" And we said, "Well, you know, we're we're part of the games." You know, we're here. <laughs> so uh, anyways, uh, we uh, we had a lot of fun with the skiers because they thought it was hilarious that our our uniforms were skirts. So they would take our uniforms and they would parade around the room in our uniforms. But anyways, <laughs> we got to opening ceremonies that first night and we're all gathering. They're getting the provinces all together like we do for a parade in for the open. And they're getting everybody together and the chef mission comes up. She says... We're the bowlers. We want the bowlers to lead Team Alberta out right behind the uh, the mission staff and the flag bearer. So, of course, grumbling, more grumbling. And uh, I, I had a fairly good voice then. So I led Alberta in a, you know, give me an A, give me an L, who have you got? You know, and then we paraded out and we were waving our hats. And uh, the elder Trudeau was prime minister then. So we we waved our hats at him. And I think it was Sandra Burton waved her middle finger at him as well. Um, but anyway, I don't know. I was going to ask. I was going to ask. Like, who gave him the, yeah. yeah, but uh, but anyways, we uh, we let out Team Alberta because we had our cowboy hats and and uh, you know we had just a super time there. Uh, it was great. We uh, we made some good friends along the way there. I mean, our team was uh, Susan Lindholm from Camrose, Sandra Burton Coburn from from Leduc. Uh, Penny Noble, the 15-year-old from Medicine Hat, uh, Cheryl Kitchen from Airdrie, and uh, Debbie Reed. It was supposed to be Diane Moracle, but she couldn't go. So Debbie was next in line, and uh, she went. And, you know, it was like our Tournament Ladies Masters team. We gelled together very, very well. And uh, we ended up um, on top of our division. We won the semifinals against Quebec, I think it was, or was it BC? It was BC. And then we played Ontario in the finals, and it was a best of three. And we just about caught them the first game. We missed them by a handful of points, and then they they beat us soundly the second game. But we ended up with a silver medal, but uh, it was um, an amazing experience. You know, we, uh, we didn't trust the transportation system, so our team, I think it was Penny's mom and dad, Liz and Bob, they arranged to get a car rented for us, so we rented a car and drove to and from our uh, our billet place, or not our billet place, but our residence to uh, to Bagotville. And it was bitterly cold, bitterly cold out there. And, you know, some days we were afraid the car wasn't going to start, but, you know, thankfully it did all the time. But we, uh, we would get requests from some of the other teams. They'd say, you know, when you're not bowling, could you come and watch us and bring your cowboy hats? <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, we can go do that. So we'd go watch swimming or we'd go watch another indoor sport and we'd bring our hats and wave them. And, and uh, every day after bowling, we would stop at this restaurant on the highway and we'd go in. And the first time we went in, they looked at us and said, what are you doing? And we said, well, you know, we're, we're Canada Winter Games. We, uh, we have cowboy hats, we're bowling. You know, we were the Jouet de Saint-Key. And they said, oh, okay, that's nice. Well, we went in the second day and had our hats again. And they would come up and they'd say, how did you do today? <laughs> and the third day it was, 
you're doing really well. Can we buy you drinks? <laughs> you know, we're, oh, we're, we're really not supposed to do that. And Penny's not old enough yet. Oh, that doesn't matter. We bring you drinks. We'll <laughs> have Pepsi. We'll have Pepsi. But, uh, you know, it was fun that way. And, and um, you know, we had to fill the car up with gas early in the event. And I went into this gas station and filled up. And they had newspapers sitting on the counter. Well, lo and behold, it's the Journal de Quebec. And what's on the front page? But the Canada Winter Games and Team Alberta coming into the opening ceremonies with all the cowboy hats waving. That's so nice. I went out to the car and I said, how many newspapers do I need to get? And I showed them the newspaper. So you know, we all got our souvenir newspaper with us on the front of the paper. And oh, here's where we cue Carrie to pull the image of that newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's in the call space. I should have brought it up. Bill Douglas is in the picture. Me, not so much. <laughs> That'd be a really cool photo to get. So if anybody it has was, that. Uh, yeah, it, it was neat. And the medals that they had, it was the Saguenay-Lac-Saint-Jean area that hosted, and it was a really neat design of the medal. You know, and it, it's certainly a medal that uh, I don't want to part with, that's for sure. Hmm. But, but, you know, those those were good, definitely uh, good. That, a year before uh, was the 82 or the 80, uh, Alberta Winter Games that you and, played yeah. and coached. A little bit of a – I mean, it's not the Canada Games, but still kind of fun playing just even the yeah. local one, Alberta Winter Games, right? Yeah, yeah, it, that was a different event, and I that was in '82. Yeah, and there was a lot going on for me in '82. I mean, we I, I played the Open, we won provincials, we went to nationals on the home lanes. Uh, we had the uh, Alberta Winter Games. I was becoming a course conductor, and uh, um, uh, I was technical coordinator. I worked under Bill Plum doing that for a bit. So um, you know, it was a busy year. But the Alberta Winter Games, I think it was in Lloyd Minster. And it was an interesting team. We had two older ladies on the team, and then I think it was a five-player team, and then there were three of us. And the two older ladies somehow got on the wrong bus. And they, I can't remember where they were headed to, but it wasn't Lloyd Minster. Oh. Anyways, they, uh, they finally found their way to Lloyd Minster, and, and we played. Um, you know, it, it wasn't so much, uh, I mean, we didn't fare that well, but it was a fun event. It was definitely fun, and but then, you know, thankfully, in, in later years, it it focused more on getting youth involved in the uh -huh. games, which is where it should have been. And then they created the senior games, of course, for seniors. Yeah, mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. Which which is still going strong, I do believe. Yeah, five pin bowling still part of the senior games, is it not? Absolutely. It uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And when did the the youth winter games stop? Oh, oh, eight, maybe around that time. Yeah. 06? Yeah. I would have mm. played 94, maybe 93. I, I, I played 06. I think it was either 08 or 010 or 10. That would be the ones. 2010, mm -hmm. 2008. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but, you know, I mean, certainly as far as bowling goes, I think my my highlight was the 82 open. I had tried for a few years to make the team in Calgary and came close, but no cigar. So that's when I really went out and practiced a lot and got the key to Gibson's Westwood bowl. Mm -hmm. um, you know, went out and really put some extra stuff. And I thought if I don't make it this year, I'm probably never going to make it, you know? So um, I ended up, I think it was fourth. Uh, there was Bonnie Clark and Debbie Kingsmith and Charlie Miller Nancy Bacus, Tracy Finlater, myself, and we chose Char Williams uh, as our coach. We were going to play in Medicine Hat, Char's hometown, 
And, uh, you know, that was a, a good event. We had the last game by that year. Oh. But, uh, but I remember Char at the beginning, she, she said, Nancy and Fran are rookies. They're going to play. They're going to start the first game. And, you know, that's one of the things I learned as a coach is that, yeah, I have to start rookies. But anyways, so uh, she had Charlie in leadoff, and I believe I was second in the lineup. And I remember distinctly getting up on the approach for my first ball of the first game, and I said, it's taken you so many years to get here. Don't screw up now. And <laughs> that's good positive talk, right? I, yeah, I, that's threw, right. I threw a five-bagger to start. Nice. Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, this is all right. You know, this is great. You know, no problems here. And, uh, you know, we went on. And, of course, it was a nail-biter at the end. We we barely won to, uh, you know, we, we survived the bye game. And uh, Southern ladies helped us a lot. They, uh, I think they beat, I want to say, Edmonton and allowed us to win. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a great experience. And then we got to go to Chinook Bolodrome to play the Nationals. And, you know that was fine, and we were all uh, we were all Chinook bowlers, anyways. Uh, Charlie Miller won singles that year uh, at the provincials, and she opted to bowl just singles because they had to make a choice. So we pulled up our alternate, which was Helen Pell, and uh, we did that because the mixed team also won from Calgary that year, so we couldn't pull from there. And uh, same thing, it went down to the last game, the last frame at nationals, and uh, we we ended up pulling that one out too, which was which was neat. And uh, you know we uh, we earned uh, we earned an Alberta Achievement Award for our uh, our achievement on the lanes and winning the national championship. I was actually lucky; I won two that year, two Alberta Achievement Awards because my 1982 high schools team also won nationals. Uh, I had coached them, and it was a telephone hookup back then for nationals, and uh, we won nationals for the the girls team that year too. So yeah, that was something that was comment. It was the youth challenge, but obviously at the time it was the yeah. high schools that, at that time. Yeah. So. Uh, and that was what it was a phone-in type of thing across the country. Or the national, we we had a every province had a, a provincial championship, and then they did a telephone hookup to determine national winners, rather than what they do now in taking mm -hmm. the top three girls, top three mm -hmm. boys uh, from the uh, from the provincials and making up a six-player team. So they had a girls team, a boys team, and a mixed team, and they did telephone hookup, and um, we won. I think we won mixed team and girls team that year in the national aggregate. Not to be confused with a different type of a telephone hookup, right? That's <laughs> exactly right. Good point. That's, that's after dark, 5PU after dark. Yeah, 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 no kidding. Um, yeah. Fran, you were talking about the Alberta Achievement Award. Has that been something that isn't instituted anymore? Like, I'm not sure um, you Edmonton guys so. have won enough nationals. Do you guys, I know you do city achievements. Yeah. Um, we did that for Central 2 in Red Deer, but yeah. I don't ever remember hearing of a Alberta Achievement Award ever issued for something no, like I've that. No, I never heard it either. Hmm. No, I think that was uh, uh, that was in Peter Lougheed's time when he was Premier. And um, I I never heard much more about it after that even. Yeah. Hmm. But, uh, but yeah, That's it was cool. kind of neat because we, we got to go to Edmonton, uh, expenses paid, and... Uh, um, we two representatives from each team were invited to it, and you know it was it was kind of neat to to be in the same room as so many other athletes from different sports. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, a little comment: uh, C five um, coach of the year in eighty eight and ninety five. What was mm -hmm. uh, special about those years, if you can? Oh, well, you know, eighty eight um, eighty eight was designated the year of the coach. Um, by the Sporting Association of Canada. 
So each province uh, nominated uh, coaches in different sports. And of course, five pin bowling was no exception. Um, Mike Violini and Don Gill, who was president of A5 at the time, and I believe Tom Boitel, I think. Um, I think they, they got together and looked through a bunch of different um, applications. And I was fortunate enough to have been chosen as the Alberta um, Coach of the Year. And then they submitted my name nationally, and uh, and I I earned the uh, five pin bowling's coach of the year award that year, and it was for all achievements up to that point in time. It, it just wasn't one year's achievements. Of course, it it changed after that because then we we started doing uh, coach of the year for for bowling every year, and then of course we we branched out to do grassroots as well as elite and mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. so that was a very special one. And, uh, and of course, in 95, I think based on, on the performance of our Alberta tournament ladies and uh, some of the, sure, the other sure. things, the Open and whatnot, I was, I was fortunate to have been nominated for, for Coach of the Year again that year. And, uh, you know, again, was humbled by it because my, my mentor, Dylas Turner, also won two National Coach oh. of the Year titles. So I thought, you know, this is kind of neat to, to be in, in the company of her. You know, I mean, she was an amazing coach. What she could do with the Winnipeg ladies and the uh, the Manitoba ladies, be it the Masters or the Open, um, I just, my goal as a coach was always to learn something from every coaching experience. And I, I do the same thing when I give workshops, to try and learn something to, to get better. And, uh, you know, I was always amazed at, uh, you know, how she could get her teams to to bond together for that common purpose of being the best you can be at this point in time. You know, so it was neat to be in the same company as her. That's for sure. That's crazy. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And also uh, back in 2018, we changed the grassroots coach of the year award in, in honor of your name. Right. In oh. Alberta. So, yeah. So I, I don't know if you, you can follow along, but uh, yes. Yeah, so it is, it is named after you. When, so. when you I think the namesake that. should be notified that. That was before my time. So, I mean, <laughs> but anyways, I yes. Talk to yeah. about that. Jeez. You should, you should yeah. talk to her. Yeah. Get it her on used the phone. to be, so it used to be the Ernie Rogie before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Is that right? Well, the national yeah. one was the Ernie Rogie Award. When I won in 95, it was the Ernie Rogie Coach of right. the Year Award. And now it's yeah. the Fran Clark. Is that what you're saying, yeah. Tim? Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know you didn't know. That's, well, I guess I it's not know. surprise. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. Viking Universe exclusive. <laughs> yeah. Breaking news. Well, now, now I feel all flushed and, and yeah. three years and they posted the elite, right? Is that, is uh, that what in, it is Alber the in Alberta, it's. Uh, Ernie Rogie and then for elite and, and then Fran for the grassroots. In but Alberta. In the, uh, yeah, on a national level, it is date post, yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So Alberta yeah. grassroots yeah. is named after Fran Clark. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Well, and you know, Dave, Dave is a great guy to work with on the technical side of things too. I mean, I um, I left my position as technical director the first time in 96 because I was managing Chinook Bolodrome and I, I felt, you know, yeah. It's, I probably had enough on my plate and, and I left. And a few years later in the mid 2000s, um, Brian Rossetti talked to me and said, you know, we're, we're getting stagnant in, the, uh, in, in rewriting our coaching programs and we need to get kick-started again. And he said, I'm, I'm hoping that you would be able to come back and, 
and help uh, you know Dave and the the national group um, get this going again. So I said, yeah, I, I can do that. But you know, when when we get these two workshops done, I'm I'm gone. I'm I'm done again. And uh, he said, no, fair enough. We can we can do that. So we did it. And uh, the first my first meeting with with Dave. I mean, we had our our technical group uh, meet and. And there was uh, Denis Saint-Ange um, and Dave and, you know, I, I don't recall the rest of the people, but there was a handful of us and we were there for a weekend. And I remember Dave on the Sunday saying, I can't believe this, you guys. He says, in three days, we've got more done than the last two and a half years. He said, this is great. He says, we'll put this all together. We'll get approval from uh, from the CAC and, and we'll go from there. And wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, all of a sudden we had a community sport initiation workshop going. And, you know, it was great. And then we started working on comp intro. And, uh, you know, it was it was very interesting getting together and putting things together. And, and of course, I always argued with Dave that there's not enough technical in the workshops. We need more technical. He says, yeah, CAC wants more theory. And I said, but, you know, I'm listed as a, as a certified coach for community sport initiation 10-pin. I would never go and try and coach a 10-pin bowler. He says, yeah, but you've got you've got your, your qualifications. I said, yeah, but I don't know enough technical yeah. on the 10 pin side, even though I've bowled 10-pin. You know, I, I, I just did not agree with that. But uh, mm-hmm. but anyways, it, it was it was neat that way. And, uh, you know, actually digressing, I was actually a paid technical director in Alberta for a year. Um, we had a, it was a paid position and I worked for all of five pin bowling. I worked for uh, Bowl Alberta. I worked for the masters. I worked for uh, the five pin and I reported to Bill Plum. And I did that for a year um, back in 91 to 92, just before I uh, took over managing Chinook. And uh, it was interesting because I just lost my job in the oil patch. They had uh they had some trimming of middle management, and that's where I was. I was a finance analyst for 12 years with Gulf Canada, who later became um, ConocoPhillips. And I was waiting for them to pay me to leave. I, I just had enough of the stress of the oil patch. And I, I had it figured down to the, the rounded dollar how much they would pay me to leave based <laughs> on my seniority. And I was in middle management, so uh, you know I was... You know, I, I was ready to leave, and uh, it just so happened that was the time when Bowling said, "You know, we've got enough funding that we could pay somebody to be a technical director in Alberta." So I, uh, I was a few weeks out of work, and all of a sudden, I know I went up to Linwood Bowl in Edmonton and had an interview for the job, and and uh, became a paid technical director in the I guess it was about June of uh, of 1991, and I did that until. June of 92. And that's when the position of general manager at Chinook Bolodrome came up and friends phoned me and said, you know, there's a career opportunity in the Herald newspaper you might be interested in. And I went, well, yeah, maybe. And when the third or fourth person phoned me and said, you should look at this, I went, well, okay. So I sent in a a resume to uh, Cambridge Leaseholds, which was the management company of Chinook Center. And a few days later, I had a two-hour interview with the mall manager because Chinook Bodrome was owned by whoever managed that mall. It oh, wasn't okay. an independent operation. So what, ha- what happened is that I was given a personal services contract with Cambridge Leaseholds to manage their asset, Chinook Bodrome. 
Gotcha. So that's how I got into managing Chinook Bolodrome. And then, of course, down the road, we uh, we bought it uh, when Ontria, the Ontario Teachers Pension Fund, came in and started uh, uh, taking over some of the assets. Um, they said, we can't directly own an entertainment facility and the bowling center is that. So Terry Knapper, manager of Chinook Center, sell it. So Terry came to me and said, uh, why don't you guys buy it? And I said, well, I don't know if I want to buy it or not. It's fun spending your money. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and doing well, I don't know if I want to spend my money. He says, well, we'll sell it to you, steal of a deal, but you need to do renovations. And he says, we don't mean a paint job. We mean do renovations. So, uh, you know, back in 2003, we, uh, we bought it from the mall and we started lining up our, our plans. Well, you know, as some of you may know, we gutted the place. Mm -hmm. and uh, and started over from scratch. We closed the middle of May in 90, oh, pardon me, in 2004, because the uh, contractor said, we'll start the middle of May, and uh, we'll be six weeks. It'll take us six weeks to do the job, and then you can open again. So we closed the middle of May, and they got going after Stampede Week, which was the middle of July. Mm -hmm. So we we laid off all of our, our part-time staff, like our pin chasers and, you know, things like that, snack bar staff, but we continued to pay the salaries of our salaried staff, which was six people. And we paid them just so that we'd have them when we opened up again. And all they had to do was come in a couple days a week, answer phones, like check the answering machine because we moved our phones over to the vacant library space, which is where all of the bowling equipment was stored. And we, uh, we continued to do that and we kept getting further and further behind and it was costing more and more money. Uh, we had to do uh, hazmat removal. Well, the mall did hazmat removal. They removed all the asbestos under the six layers of paint that had been there, but it <laughs> took them longer to do that. And once they got that done, then our contractor came in and started to work and they worked at a snail space and it was pretty scary. Uh, I mean, my husband, Paul, he was the non-bowler of our partners. We had Marie and Bill Davidson as well. Uh, Marie was a, a, a top five pin bowler in Calgary for years. Bill was a retired CA with Price Waterhouse, I think it was. Anyways, we got to one point in time in September and Bill said, I think we should cease and desist. And I said, Bill, we're in too deep. I mean, we had yeah. to put our houses up for <laughs> Hawk. Uh, we had mortgages coming out the wazoo. And I said, we, we can't stop now. We have to keep going. And we finally said to the contractor, we are opening right after Thanksgiving Day. You better be ready. And I went up to the mall manager, to Terry, and uh, thankfully he was on our side. And we had negotiated. And um, normally the mall would only give out five-year leases. And I said, we need more than five years to get payback on this. I mean, my business background is telling me that this, this isn't going to happen in the short run. I said, we need at least a 10-year lease. So he got us a 10-year lease. And um, I said, we have to open soon. Uh, how, what can we do to light a fire under these guys, uh, this contractor, to get them going? And he said, yeah, you know, leave that to me. We'll, we'll put some pressure on them. So anyways, uh, I said, we, we need to open. We're, we're running out of money. We really are running out of money. We've dipped into our personal pockets to, uh, to continue to pay the staff and yada, yada. And Terry said to me, he says, Fran, he said, you don't want to open when you're not quite ready. He says, you want the wow effect. So he says, trust me when I say this, um, make sure everything is done before you open. Well, everything was just about done. The counters at the back weren't yet um, 
fixed. They were they were movable. They hadn't been screwed or bolted down yet. But it was funny, the last week, um, Kathy Heinrich and, and Gail Alaschuk and I, we were literally putting the seating in ourselves. We had all these bench seats made by a company, uh, Iron Furniture in Edmonton. And we were literally installing the, the benches, the three of us, while um, Alex and, and uh, Rick and everybody else that we could grab were uh, finishing Peter Bauer's work. They were helping Peter Bauer finish putting the lanes in and the ball wells, all that crap. Anyways, we got ready, we opened, and uh, I'll remember the first Wednesday we were open, it was middle October, and uh, the Masters League, the Men's Masters League was coming into play, and I'll always remember Colin, Colin Kier. I got a lot of, you know, good memories of Colin, but uh, <laughs> he, uh, he came in, and um, I was there, you know, the owner, I'm there every day, every night that first week to welcome people back and thank them for, for sticking with us, and uh, Colin walked in ball bag in hand and his jaw dropped I swear a foot and he came up to me he said Fran this is awesome <laughs> and I went pardon he says you heard me this is awesome he says I never imagined when you said you guys were renovating that you would do something like this he said I can't believe what you've done and like we would never it's believe a, you were going a to be big difference I mean, yeah. and, you know, the mall manager was right. You wanted the wow. And I said, that's the wow effect Terry was talking about. You know, we had league bowlers writing us letters, thanking us for, for what we did for bowling in Calgary because we, we, we spent $1.6 million uh, in 2004 to, to gut the place and, and rebuild it. And, yeah. you know, we, uh, we opened up and we flew. We just, we were run off our feet. We, we didn't stop that year. It was just amazing. You know, it was uh, it was it was a good thing, and uh, thankfully it, it paid off for us. I mean, we we managed to get out of debt and uh, pay the bills and and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. kind of looking back at now. Would you ever think that type of renovation would have took six weeks, or was that just a a hope and a prayer <laughs> that that was actually going to be be something you know, that uh, a contractor could pull off? Right, such well, a large building. It, it was. I mean, it was 28,000 square feet, um, you know, and, and they did everything. I mean, if you saw the old pictures versus, like, you know, the before and after, I mean, what, what they did was a total transformation. You know, it was amazing. The, the bulkhead they built for our masking units, I mean, you guys know how much masking units weigh. Not much. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's coroplast. That's about it. But you could have hung a car off our bulkhead. I mean, they steel from lane one to lane 32 was a steel massive thing. And, you know, we put our little Coroplast things on went, Yeah, okay, that, that'll work. It was amazing. It was just amazing. But yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty scary when we started doing it, but it, it certainly paid off and it was really gratifying, um, you know, to see that, that the league bowlers hung in there with us. They, they waited for us to get back into business and, and supported us all the way. So how about chat about some of the, the, the amazing events that you would have helped host uh, along the way, you know, at Chinook or I guess otherwise. I mean, a uh, number of national, provincial events that you would have hosted. Uh, Autumn yeah. opened for a little bit there too. Oh, um, we did, yeah. Yeah, well, the, the Autumn Open, I mean, we did 25 years of the Autumn Open. Um, you know, that was a great event, um, you know, and it, uh, it was 
it was tiring. I mean, it was a 40 hour weekend from Friday night to Sunday night for, for the staff. And, you know, you, you went home and you smelt like a cigarette ashtray uh, in the days where smoking was still allowed. I mean, Paul, I would come home and Paul would say, don't even come in the house. Take your clothes off. Go to the shower. On the porch. <laughs> On the porch. Take your clothes off outside. <laughs> no kidding. But you know, it was it was great. The Autumn Open, our our staff, our pin chasers, everybody got so excited about hosting the Autumn Open. Uh, our pin chasers would would offer. They would say, "I'm available any and all shifts." You know, and of course they went in the back. They had headsets on. They never saw the the light of day until the end of a you know. And when there was a break, they'd come out after four games or eight games, whatever. But uh, you know, it was great hosting the Autumn Open. But we were still owned by the mall. And uh, the Western Regional Manager, he would he would call me in and he'd say, you know, he says the mall does very well on Thanksgiving weekend, but we see a high expense because we were all employed by the mall. He says, I see a high expense. I see lots of overtime. I see very little revenue. Why is this? I said, well, we host this big cash tournament. And we only take a bucket game for lineage. And, you know, we've got overtime. We double up our staff. Uh, we didn't always have the snack bar then either. It was a, a separate entity. And he said, well, I don't know about that. You may want to rethink it. And, you know, as a result, we uh, we ended up not hosting the Autumn Open again. And Toppler Bowl took it over for a few years. And then uh, Paradise, of course, have continued to run it, uh, you know, still very successfully uh, given these uh, these times. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's great. But yeah, the Autumn Open was always great. Um, you know, we we hosted YBC Nationals a couple times. I was the uh, the host proprietor for the YBC Nationals in two thousand and one, and that was back in the day where we still had to get billet houses for all That's the kids. They, they didn't stay at the hotels, so. I had uh, one of uh, a former YBC bowler that I had coached at the high schools and youth challenge. Uh, Carrie Track, she was my billet chairperson. Harvey Potza was our transportation chairperson. Oh, I said to Harvey, "You're you're big, you're strong, you're not going to take guff from anybody. You're no, you're I'm... you're the transportation guy." <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> I love it. You know, so um, uh, we had um, um, we had a, a lot of people. The uh, uh, the young family, they they did uh, all sorts of stuff. They were DJ, they were souvenirs, they did everything. Uh, we had we had different bowling centers. Shamrock Lanes hosted a part of it. Uh, Toppler hosted, Paradise hosted, we hosted. So it was four centers involved in hosting the event. Um, you know, so I was running from one center to the other to make sure everything was going smoothly. And, you know, it was a great event. It was pretty scary for us because we had all 32 lanes going. And we never liked to go with all 32 lanes going because if we had a machine failure like we did one year at the Autumn Open, um, you know, we, uh, we'd be in big trouble. But uh, anyways, it, it went off very well. Um, it was great. We were the uh, head office. And, oh, Paul's giving me, oh, yeah, Paul's giving me a note. He says, we were the first center in Calgary to go non-smoking before oh, the bylaws really? came in. Yeah. Oh, wow. But uh, much to his relief. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, um, yeah, the, uh, the 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 YBC Nationals was great. Of course, we we had the team pictures done, and we borrowed a chuck wagon from the Blackfoot Inn. We borrowed no, it was uh, it was Shaw GMC. We borrowed their chuck wagon, 
And uh, we use that for a backdrop. Um, one of the kids that worked for us, he was an artist, a graphic artist. He designed our logo and de designed subsequent logos for Don Sim and us in subsequent events. Uh, Guy was, was great at doing that, so he designed our pin. We used it on the chuck wagon tarp. That was the backdrop for the team pictures. But I mean, what a what a weekend of bowling! Exhausting but exhilarating at the same time. So, Fran, um, Dex and I were both at that nationals to date ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I we're I still have the I, I still have the photo. I remember the chuck wagon and everything yeah. with the big hay bales and everything else like that. And I remember was where do we go for the Western day? We were uh, the we went we went to um, I think we went. Oh no, that was the youth challenge. We went to it was a uh, barbecue ranch yeah. in northeast yes. Calgary, just uh, just on the outskirts of Calgary. It was right. awesome. We really yeah. like. I, it was I a lot that. of fun. It was great, and then um, I still have. I think the you guys gave out like paper stetsons, right? Yep, the paper stetsons. I have all that signed. I went back through it all. Yeah, it was it was a great year. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was it was fun. That, Tom would have been your coach, wouldn't he have? Was it yeah, Tom? Tom that year? I know. Uh, no, two thousand one was yeah. Two thousand one was the year that Tom moved down to Calgary. Oh, so yeah. he left partway through the season. We had Jim Bradshaw coach. Us. Jim, oh yeah, Jim, yeah. Were you junior or yeah. senior then? Junior, junior, junior. We went nineteen and two. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Nice. And you guys yeah. say you're old. Holy. <laughs> yeah that was that was a good event um the the opens um you know we did a, a couple of open provincials that i chaired and one year i chaired it and i coached uh you know what was i thinking um you know but uh, i mean that was good um certainly in in 2010 it was our 50th anniversary of chinook center so we actually went to the calgary five pin and the a5 and said you know at that time, uh, Calgary always hosted on the fives. Like, you know, they, co they hosted in 90, 95, 2000. It was easy to remember when we were hosting. So 2010 came up. It was our 50th anniversary at Chinook. And I said to the associations, we want to host. And we will, we will subsidize some of the expenses in hosting because it's a special year for us. Right. So we had uh, Ken and Ann Norris. They looked after developing the program and uh, the souvenir program. So they... They went through the archives. They got some before shots of when the bowling center was being built. And on, on the opposite pages, they would have the before, like the, when we were being built versus the renovated shot of the same uh, angle. So their program was, their programs were always a work of art. But I mean, it was a great event. And, and of course, um, it, uh, it was fun to host it. Uh, that was the year where we tried to do away with the banquet to reduce expenses. And we did the awards presentations at the bowling center and we served hors d'oeuvres. We, we served appetizers yeah. while people sat in the bleachers and watched the step ladder. We brought in some, some dignitaries, well, dignitaries. We brought in the, you know, presenters for the awards. We brought in Bill Plum and Tommy Campbell and Jennifer uh, uh, Smith helped us out. Uh, the Norrises helped us out. Yeah. Um, you know, so we had uh, some people from the past, some of our legends, uh, came and helped us present. And of course, at, at the host night, the first night of the provincials, it was a legends night as well, where we had some of our, our Calgary bowlers who, who, who made it in the five pin bowling world, you know, and uh, you know, Greg Gigluck was one of our Calgary legends because he started in Calgary. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, as I said, at, at that banquet or at that awards thing, uh, 
you know, somebody from Red Deer swept him off his feet and we lost our, our, our Greg. But it was a good After good we talk. handed out the top 100 bowlers of all time plaques, didn't we? At the banquet, at the open, at the... Was it at that one? I thought it was somewhere. Maybe, maybe yeah, that might have been. Yeah. Top top one hundred of all time on the at the, I remember doing the award ceremony afterwards on the, the, yeah. the step ladder yeah. and the award ceremony. Yeah. 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 So I mean that was fun. Uh, the Alberta Open in ninety-five was was fun as well. Um, uh, that's when I lost my voice <clears throat> and uh, Don Sim and Mike Violini gave me such a bad time about being MC and having no voice. And uh, so I I've learned from there, you know, try not to lose your voice. Uh, the Youth Challenge uh, Provincials, we hosted Youth Challenge Provincials and we hosted the uh, Youth Challenge Nationals as well. And uh, those were great events as well. Um, Fran, I believe in 95, you were MC, wasn't that Leduc? And there was a medical incident we had in the... Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't bowling yet, but I was there volunteering with Trudy Metcalf. Yeah. And at the banquet, uh, my yeah. brother and I would spend, you know, each night out there. And I remember at the banquet... Oh yeah, that that was fun. Uh, that was fun. I, I tried to be Tom Alford that night and write a poem, and because uh, Alford, his claim to fame when he was MC, he would write a poem about the yes, the open. Correct. So I wrote a poem that year, and I accused Calgary of being old, um, you know, <laughs> and uh, of Edmonton being fast because Howell was on the team, and you know that sort of stuff. Um, it was the 25th anniversary of the Alberta Open that year, and I rented a tuxedo. Yeah, you did. Um, yeah. So I had I had the white tails on for the the presentation, and uh, yeah, that that was a good event too. Uh, that was uh, that was a memorable a memorable time. I mean, it was it was kind of neat that that Trudy had asked me to to be the MC, and that uh, was good. I remember sitting by a table, and uh, you know, a fellow from Edmonton had a medical incident, and was, right. it was all like, "Oh, time out here, time out." And yeah. obviously, her and I, I couldn't see a thing. Yeah, was, you were at the front, on, and I remember we were at the back, and I was. Yeah, I, I was up on the stage, and and they had lights on, and I couldn't see a thing back then. And I heard Sandra Coburn yell, "Stop!" Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, and all was good and healthy and everything. And yeah, that was just yeah. sort of a dehydration sort of moment that we needed some attention that at the at the time. But, well, yeah. and we had we had a, a medical issue in two thousand as well. I think it was the. Uh, uh, Bernice Guthrie was in, a, in an accident, and I think the Marshall girls were involved in an accident on the way to the carriage house for the banquet. Yeah, that was with and, Bob uh, Guthrie, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Bob's, Bob's wife, I think Bernice, yes. Yes, uh, I yes. think she was the one that, that had uh, an injury there. That was, that was a neat uh, banquet as well. Um, I'd invited Mary Curry to, uh, mm -hmm. to be our guest presenter that year, and it was neat. She was, she was thrilled to death that that she was invited. And uh, I remember when I introduced her, there was a wedding going on in the uh, the banquet room next to us. And they were doing this cheering and screaming as I'm in the middle of introducing Mary Curry. So I stopped for a second and said, you oh, know, there's a wedding going on next door. Let's just wait for that to die down because this is too important. <laughs> and I got through introducing Mary and I swear uh, the whole room stood up and applauded for a full minute. And, and Mary just stood there going, Wow, this is this is so nice. And I'm <laughs> you're the incredible Mary Curry. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, it was funny because she said, I got to come down to the center and I got to watch Diane Bull. I haven't seen her since she was a kid. You know, something <laughs> like that. And uh, you know, even Diane said it was so nice to see Mary Curry again. Mm. 
And, uh, you know, so th that was fun that year, too. And, um, you know, of course, that was the year that our, our mixed team won and went to nationals. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I, I was named Alberta Coach of the Year that year. And, and it was funny because I was the MC as well as, as a coach. And Maria pushed me aside and said, you can't give out this award. And I went, okay. So I stood aside and then she announced that I was the coach of the year. And I went, oh, okay, I guess that's why. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. This is the Fran Clark Award. It wasn't coach of the year. Pardon me. It was the all-star coach. Yeah. The all-star coach for the Open. Yeah. That's what that was. So how anyways, that? it was... How about your involvement with the uh, youth bowling school? Um, obviously, did that for a lot of years, part of the bowling oh, federation and, and yeah. you know the bowling school sort of side of things. That was uh, I, I was all involved the first year. Bill Plum said we're going to start a youth bowling school and we're going to invite a hundred five pin bowlers. So we need a whole bunch of coaches and we're going to have classroom sessions and online sessions. And everybody's going to get a uniform. We all got track suits. And uh, we stayed at the UFC in the uh, residences there. And the first year was, it was amazing. Um, I got to work a lot with Marie Stevenson, Tom's mom. Uh, Stevie, oh, as she was known, from Medicine Hat. And uh, we got trained to be facilitators uh, for the instructors and coaches clinic uh, together. So we did a lot of uh, clinics together. And we got to work together at the youth camp for a few years. And, uh, you know, it was a great experience, and it was in the early years, um, and I, I only did it from 86 to about 2001, and in the latter years, it was sort of off and on. Um, but I, I did it, it was, it was a really good experience, and the intentions were really good, the numbers were just huge. Um, you know, to, to look after 100 kids, and we had 10 or 12 coaches, and then a bunch of chaperones, and that sort of thing. And I think it was in the early years, um, Bill Plum invited uh, Tom Patterson. I think it was Bill. I think Bill was still involved. And he invited Tom Patterson to come as a, a guest coach. So Tom came and, and I remember him saying, I can do this better. He said, I'm, I'm going to go home. I'm going to think about this. And I'm going to get a Saskatchewan Youth Bowling School done too. And, uh, you know, he did. And of course, that's, you know, in my mind, that is the youth bowling school uh, to go to. I mean, I was fortunate enough to to go as a coach one year. And, um, you know, it's it's great. His layout is great. I mean, what what can you say about Tom that hasn't already been said? I mean, it's uh, he, he's a, an amazing guy for the sport of five pin bowling. I mean, a, a super ambassador. Um, you know, so I mean, the, the school was great. Um, we had, uh, I remember in one of my last years of, of coaching, we had Michelle Hayner come down from Yellowknife for it. And at the time, she was the golden girl of the YBC Nationals. She was a phenomenal bowler. And uh, she came in, that was when Mike Violini was, was coordinating the, the school. And he put her in my group, and uh, it was amazing. Uh, the talent she had was was amazing. Not taking anything away from any of the other bowlers, but it was it was neat that she was able to uh, to come in and participate. And it was kind of neat because um, shortly after that, I went up to Yellowknife to do uh, a level two training uh, workshop as well as uh, uh, lane agent training, and I got to meet her mom and dad all over again. So mm -hmm. it was kind of fun, but yeah, the, the youth camp was great. Um, it was, it was good. Um, I think Mike always wanted to make sure that we had uh, social 
um, aspect to the camp. He called it a camp. Of course, Tom Patterson says, we're not out around the fire. It's a school. You know, it's a bowling <laughs> school. You're learning to bowl. Um, I actually took one of Tom's technique bowling uh, workshops as well. And, you know, I was, I was amazed between his youth bowling school and the technique bowling school, the number of hours that you spent on the lanes. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, nice. I, it was right up my alley because I said, you know, that, that's what you want to do. You want to, you want to get better on the lanes. What better place to do it than on the lanes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. it, it was great. It was great that way. But yeah, it was, it was a good stepping stone for many other schools across the country. Yeah, absolutely. No. Yeah. And, and when was that? Sorry, Fran, I think if I missed uh, that. 86. That the youth bowling school in Alberta started, I think it was in 86 and uh, went through. Um, I, I, I mean, it was still running when I, when I left Alberta. Mm-hmm. I think it hasn't run the last couple of years, Tim. A little COVID and sort of oh, just COVID, numbers yeah. and sort of there was some, yeah, it just. And, and, I think and, and there I was think, an event conflict the last time they were trying to run it, wasn't there? Yeah. Think, and I think there's just, they're, they're trying to restructure it now too. Yeah. yeah, yeah they're, right. they're trying to set it up so that it's like a, a weekend event that rotates between yeah. places. So there'll be one in Edmonton, one in Calgary, one in GP sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, and you know, Grady, I mean, Grady, when he took the reins over for uh, for the youth uh, camp in, in Alberta, I mean, he, he did a great job of getting that organized as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think very successful for a lot of years, but I think just yeah. as time goes on, there's external factors in play that, yeah. uh, that force you to start yeah. making changes and adjustments, and that might mean that you have to close it for a couple of years before it comes mm-hmm. back. Uh, well, and, and, yeah, and cost becomes a factor too. I mean, <laughs> sure. it's... I mean, getting, yeah. getting uh, you know, whether it's Mount Royal or, uh, uh, you know, or Grant McEwen, wherever you go for, for residences. And, you know, I mean, the bowling lanes, it's great in the summertime. I mean, not a problem getting, getting lanes. But, uh, you know, I, I, and another thing I think that's really, really helped youth is the scholarship tournament in Alberta. I mean, the youth oh, scholarship nice, yeah. tournament. I mean, that was great. That was another event that uh, we looked forward to hosting. Um, I mean, it was Bonnie Dune and, and Chinook in the first few years, we would alternate hosting it. And that was a great event for youth development for sure. Uh, you know, great scholarship opportunities. Uh, you know, the monies that were available that, that kids could use to, to further their education was great. Yeah. I, I just wish it got started just a little bit earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we right. hit it like the, what, the last couple of years, Tim? The last, the last year. Yeah. Yeah. Just the last year. And we made yeah. some okay money at it too, but just wish yeah. it was around a little bit longer, but those kids that have started in since Bantams, it, it's it's awesome. Such a huge opportunity for them down the road. Yeah. Well, oh, they definitely. just remember it every year. It's part of what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It comes automatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, it's, it's like the Green and Gold or the Autumn Open or, you know, yeah. the, the TPC. It becomes yeah. part of you the just, schedule. You put it down the calendar. There it is. Yeah, absolutely. Got a few uh, neat little accolades here, Fran, and I'm sure there's a much longer list of them that uh, you're well-deserving of, but maybe we'll touch on uh, each of them individually. Uh, recipient, uh, Bowl Canada President's Award for contribution to the sport of five-pin bowling. What, yeah. uh, that's a pretty cool one for sure. It, you know, it was, and um, that was, uh, you know, Bowl Alberta people uh, nominated me for that, and you know, it was a, a nice way to to step away from from being a proprietor, and you know, it was uh, you know very very humbling for me. That's for sure. 
Yeah, especially from your peers when you're being recognized by them, mm -hmm. that, you know, contributions to them for all the boards and all the treasury work and yeah. all the work you've done just to contribute from a proprietor standpoint. Well, sure. and, and looking looking at who else has been uh, the recipient of that award, I, I just, I think, wow, you know, that's neat to be in their company. Yeah. Uh, recipient of the Master Bowlers Association of Canada Awards of Excellence for Ex Exceptional Technical Development in 2007. That one, too. That uh, that was a neat one. It was it was kind of funny. Um, Brian Rossetti was uh, president of the Masters at the time, and uh, Linda Raymond was also on the board. And they uh, they said, "Let's get together for lunch someday." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, okay, whatever." So I got together for lunch, and Brian says, "This is usually supposed to be a surprise, but we don't think we can pull this one over on you. So <laughs> we need you to write a resume or a bio because we're nominating you for a Lifetime Achievement Award." Uh, or uh, pardon me, uh, Word of Excellence uh, from the MBAC. So he says, we need you to write it because we can't put it all together. So I went, well, okay, I'll, I'll put that together. And he says, and you get to, we'll, we'll fly you to Surrey and you can be uh, my second delegate and uh, get this award at the banquet. So so that's uh, what I did. I, I put together what I could. And and it was funny, I, I was so disappointed because I, I wrote up this bio, you know, of things that I had done uh, on the technical side of things. And then the last line I put, shot a hole in one in 2006. And they didn't even mention it at the awards thing. And I thought, oh, man. Unbelievable. <laughs> wow. No, but, uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, I guess it just didn't fit what they were looking for. So they, they kept it out of that. So. But uh, on my original one, I thought, yeah, it's still there. They just they just didn't say it. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then another one, obviously, uh, in 2013, the Alberta Five Pin and the Canadian Five Pin Lifetime Membership. Uh, to be named that that's pretty cool too that's and and i i had no idea about those um you know we 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 hosted the uh, the open nationals in uh, 14 and you know i'm i'm doing alberta night i'm the mc of alberta night and i sit down and dave post gets up and he's talking away and, and i'm thinking hi okay yeah okay right right and he's talking about this this bowler and their accomplishments. And I'm, I think I'm sitting beside Maria Wood and he's talking and he mentions this one thing. And I got, Hmm, I've done that. And then he mentioned something else and he's going down this list and I'm going, Oh crap. And I looked at Maria and she started to smirk and I went, oh, you got me. You absolutely got me. And, and I, I was, I was stunned. <laughs> I said, you know, it's not good for the MC to be speechless, but I'm, I'm speechless, but you know, I think everything everything that, that we do, I mean, certainly that you guys are doing, uh, is for love of the game. And uh, bowling has always been near and dear to my heart. The, the technical side especially uh, was something that uh, once I got involved in it, I just found it really rewarding and felt I was able to contribute. Uh, I learned from it. Uh, I learned a lot of stuff from many people that I was involved with along the way too. And... Uh, you know, simply, I, I mean, even even being proprietor at Chinook for, for 21, 22 years, um, I always looked forward to going into work. Uh, you know, contrary to when I was in the oil patch where the last while I dreaded going into work and I couldn't wait to leave, I always looked forward to going to work. And when Rick and Kathy Heinrich bought the, the center from us, I said, you know, I always, I always looked forward to going to work. And some days I hated to leave. Um, you know, it, it was always there and, you know, working seven days a week during the prime season, it was no big deal because that's what I did. 
and uh, you know it's it's for love of the game. Uh, that's yeah. you know quite simply what I put it down to. Well, sure. The bowling yeah. world was definitely very fortunate to have you in it. Um, as long as we've been involved with bowling, um, your name was right at the top of that list all mm -hmm. the time. Well, yeah. you know, it, it was fun, and, and there have been a lot of fun experiences, you know. And one of the other things was, uh, you know, I got to be judge of play on uh, the, the CBCs on TSN for uh, <laughs> three seasons, I think it was. Eight, and, yep. and that was because Frank Sisson said to Paula Oliveira, why don't you get Fran down here? <laughs> She's a judge of play. She, she knows all that stuff. And Paula went, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, and I, I got to do that, and, and that was a lot of fun because you know I get to to kibitz with a lot of the bowlers that you know you got to see uh, at different provincial and national events. I mean, it was always fun watching the Alberta bowlers and you know, things like that. Um, you know, and and some of the bowlers that I knew from across the country. I mean, that was a great experience uh, doing that too. Yeah. What are your thoughts on where bowling is at right now? The, you know, stay of the game, obviously, you know, numbers across the country or tournament wise or just overall, uh, you know, thoughts on the game today? You know, if if we could take COVID out of the equation, um, I think it'd be great. You know, uh, talking with uh, Ray, uh, Ray Britton at, at Brecken Lanes when I go in to coach the Bantams on Saturday mornings. Um, you know, he says things were really starting to pick up before Christmas. Then we get slammed with this new variant. And he said, it's, it's pretty scary. He said, uh, you know, it's, you just don't know. And, and like he said, he really feels for the smaller centers, the, the rural ones that are, that are fighting to keep the doors open. You yeah. know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's scary. I mean, it's, we see our numbers dwindling. Um, you know, league play is going down. Youth bowling is really scary how, how that's going down. I mean, thankfully, Ray has a, a good program at Brecken Lanes. Um, he's, he's got really good coaches. I mean, he's got three shifts, two on Saturday, one after school on Thursdays. I only go in for one because, you know, it's, it's a 65-kilometer round trip for me to, to get in there. But I, I still like being involved. Um, but he's... His league has stayed pretty much even from last year, but uh, I mean, he's got some great coaches. I mean, the, the the team of coaches that are there Saturday when I'm there are really good. One of our coaches, he's he's a school bus driver, and he's probably recruited, I don't know, ten or eleven kids uh, new mm -hmm. bowling into the program this year, and they're bantams and, and juniors, and it's great, and they're they're great kids as well, and he's he's really good. Uh, this this coach Perry is really good at getting involved with the kids and uh, giving them uh, extra practice sessions, meeting them early to, to get them queued up for the day. And, uh, you know, it's fun. Um, I enjoy going down there and, uh, and working with the kids. Uh, you know, there's great coaches, good staff, good bowlers. You know, it's, it's good that way. But, you know, some of the other centers aren't as fortunate and their numbers are, are really hurting. Um, you know, and who's to say if we're going to be able to have any, um, you know, zone or provincial rounds for youth bowling this year, depending on stuff. I mean, our, uh, our Island open team, our qualifying is not till the end of March right now, uh, you know, three or four weeks before the provincials, because they're, uh, they're concerned about the, the latest stuff and how many people come to play. Don't know. Yeah. You know, but I, you know, I, I commend you guys for getting out there and, and keeping bowling front and center with the bowlers um, that are already there. It's a matter of reaching out to new bowlers as well and getting them involved. 
Um, I don't know if you guys remember, I know you're running short on time, but um, no. we did, uh, CBC did a sports day in Canada a few years right, ago right. When, when I was still at Chinook. Yep. And they, they keyed in on heritage sports and five pin bowling is a heritage sport. We actually uh, did a display and a little bowling thing at the Sports Hall of Fame at COP on Canada Day because we were a heritage sport. But we did the Sports Day in Canada. CBC came in, and when we found out that we were hosting, I said to Dave Post, you know, what would really be fun and exciting on TV is to do a Baker format. You know, don't do how we play at the Open where it's match play and it's mm, to the, the non-bowler. I mean, yeah. Baker would be exciting. It's fast-paced. You could do three or four games in, uh, in 20 minutes you know, or half an hour. And we've got an hour to fill. And Dave said, no, we, we need to show them how our champions are determined. We're going to do match play East versus West. And I went, oh, Dave, that's going to be such a, such a killer. It's, you're going to lose so many people. They're going to saw off somewhere. But, you know, I said, Baker, I mean, really, you should do Baker. It would be fun. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever watched the Baker format that they did on the pins on CBC, mm -hmm. on TSN, before you slip there. Um, you know, I mean, that was fun, and the bowlers that were involved in it had fun with it, too. Yeah. You know, they did BC and Alberta versus Alberta, Saskatchewan, or whatever it was, but they wouldn't go for it. And it was unfortunate, because we had some of our volunteers helping out in the production truck, the CBC production truck, and the producer in the truck just went rank, because this is so boring, why are we even here doing this? And our, our two volunteers came out just shaking their heads saying, never again will we go in that truck if they do that again here. Yeah. So they, they lambasted the, the bowling segment because it was so boring. And I just, I really think if, if we had shown something a little more exciting and upbeat, it, it would have made a difference. And somehow trying to, to introduce shorter, shorter league seasons. I mean, I, we had some leagues at Chinook that will only bowl 20 or 22 weeks. And you know what? I was happy with that because we were getting 20 or 22 weeks of, of lineage revenue from them. You know, we only had a few leagues that would go 28, 30, 32 weeks. Yeah. And for some people, that's a really long season. And in this day and age, people just don't want to spend that long doing something uh, like, like bowling. I mean, we, we go bowling. It's fun. I mean, I think our season is 29 weeks is about it. You know, we're done in early April. Life is good. Yeah. But, they're actually uh, doing I mean, that quite a bit in uh, Tenpin in the States is they're doing, they call it half season. Half or season. Yeah. Yeah. Or so the, you or play. The eight for eight or. Yeah. yeah. You play up yeah, to eight Christmas eight, and then ten. it's a whole new league after that. If you rejoin, you rejoin. If you don't, you don't. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's kind of a way to go because people don't mind spending that much time, but a lot of people go, oh, what do you mean this is a 30 week league? Oh, yeah, I think it's a matter of knowing your market, right? If your market yeah. is obviously you know, fine with a 30-week league or a 32-week yeah. league, whatever, it's done fine. But if you're yeah. losing bowlers and you're finding, like, you got to dive in and find out why am I losing bowlers and how yeah. can I save them, then it is mini-weeks, eight-week leagues, 12-weeks leagues, whatever yeah. it is. But, yeah, yeah for it's, sure. it's yeah, knowing no, your it's, market, knowing what you're going to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a whole different thing. I mean, out here we have the, the luxury where weather permitting, we can golf year round. I mean, I, I play with a ladies group that they play rain or shine. If the course is open, they play. And, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite that dedicated. I mean, if it's plus three and it's not windy and it's only drizzling, I'm, I'm good to play. But, you know, I mean, 
I, I played in December and uh, hit the ball off the fairway and get a mud bath. You yeah. know, because the, the ground yeah. is so saturated. And I went, yeah, yeah, I'm glad I didn't wear the white pants golfing today. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, that, that's a whole different thing. But, I mean, trying to get, get more people intrigued in it. Um, I mean, Doug Goodman and I used to do bowl better clinics at Chinook years ago when, when he and Dennis were still out in, in Alberta, in Calgary. And uh, we would do it. And then um, when I when I let go of the reins at the Bolodrome, uh, Kathy and Rick said, well, why don't you come in and still do some bowl better clinics? You know, I mean, yeah, sure. I'm happy to do that. So we did bowl better clinics and uh, a lot of people participated in it and enjoyed the fact that they were getting a few pointers for cheap. You know, and, uh, you know, it was good that way. But certainly um, trying to create more enthusiasm and excitement, um, you know, that's, that's, I think, the things we have to look to. We have to get really creative in our marketing and, uh, and the development of things as well. And having people there that, that are willing to give some advice when asked, you know, when it comes yep. to how do I roll the ball down the lane? You know, mm -hmm. how, uh, how do you get that strike? Yeah. yeah, there's yeah, been lots that. of talks with this, especially uh, I know like with Tom Patterson, it might have started the conversation was having those those coaches or a person that would be at your fun leagues or whatever, just mm -hmm. there if people want help, if you pay yeah. them whatever $20 for the hour to be there. And yeah. if they get if they help somebody great, if not, at least it's an option and something like that. You never know, mm -hmm. like. And maybe that's a lot of the problem with these 30 week seasons. You get some bowlers that are there for the entertainment value, but you get halfway mm -hmm. through the season and you're not playing very good. You don't want to be there anymore. You're watching all these other guys run away yeah. with the league. You're not really there for winning anything. It's just a social night. Mm -hmm. it, it gets draining. I, I don't blame a lot of people for complaining about to 30 have, weeks. To have the option to have a coach carry is what you're saying is to have some guidance, to have a coach for the average Joe public. Uh, would be super beneficial. And that's the whole program that might need a little bit of a revamp and help is coaching Johnny Average uh, League Bowler, right? Yeah. 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 And, you know, trying, I think, trying to have, you know, little special things going on. Um, you know, at, at Chinook, when we used to host things like the High Low Doubles House Finals, you know, I always made sure that we had a whole bunch of dorky prizes to give out. You know, we would draw names out of a hat and we'd give out prizes. Um, you know, of course, most leagues, they do a, you know, bowl of strike thing every night or they do their 50-50s and stuff like that. And, you know, those are those are all fine. But if you're not a high average bowler, you're probably not going to go into the bowl of strike. Uh, yeah. pot. You know, uh, you know, there's there's different different things that uh, yeah. that we have to try and, and look look beyond the. Uh, you know, the, the goggles that we've got on. We've got to try that, and, that, and open up that box. That's a great point. Like uh, men's league or ladies league or whatever for golf. You go there, you play your round, you get into the clubhouse, have a drink, have a, a uh, something to eat or whatever. And then there's door prizes. Yeah, sure, yeah. your team that comes in low probably wins some cash or whatever. But then there's door prizes. There's six or seven draws for the remainder of the people oh, that yeah. are in there. And yeah, then yeah. you leave, like... Is that an option that these leagues could institute? And when you show up for your league, there, all of a sudden there's some door prizes that you get drawn for instead of mm -hmm. having to buy a 50-50 ticket to, in order to get a chance at some money. 
Yeah. Maybe there's some donated prizes or something like well, that. And, and that's the key, getting getting some things donated, having sponsors, because you can't always be taking it out of pocket. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, if you've got an angle on getting some sponsors, then great. I mean, it gets their name out, um, you know, and you get to give out a few things and, and uh, get a smile out of a, a person or two in the evening or the daytime, whatever the case might be. <laughs> Hey Arnie, we're not we're not picking on the length of the leagues. We're just picking on maybe you could have two leagues during that yeah. duration instead of one long league. Well, you know, like you say, the <laughs> half a season. You know, the September to December, January to April, yeah. or or during some downtime. You know, like our Thursday yeah, nine o'clock league is dwindled. You know, during that Thursday nine o'clock league, we can absolutely run an eight eight week league or something like that too. Yeah, okay, well, create yeah. spots you need to, but for the most part, yeah, stick to what you can. Obviously, well, and even right. even if you made it a, a doubles thing, you know, so the the time factor, so people aren't out until midnight or one in the morning or whatever. I mean, you know, yeah, exactly. Yep. You know, or, you know, no tap events or three six nine leagues or mm -hmm. it doesn't totally. it doesn't always have to be a, a sanctioned league to get people involved. Yeah. If if they're having a, a novelty league night. And they like it enough, then maybe they'll join a sanctioned league and, yeah. and get involved there too. I mean, as a proprietor, you want people coming through the door, and you want them coming through on a regular basis. Um, you know, get them get them hooked on some aspect of it, and then see if you can lead them into something uh, you know a little more uh, structured, if you will. Absolutely. But uh, I mean, it's 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 easy for for us to sit here and talk about it, getting down to actually doing it. I mean, I, I remember Martin at Bonnie Dune had uh, had some good uh, novelty nights, if you will. You know, the the guys' night, the gals' night, uh, that sort of stuff, getting people introduced to bowling, which is fun. Um, I don't know if Calgary still does it or if Edmonton still does it, but the uh, the corporate challenge. I mean, we were involved in the Calgary corporate challenge for yeah. years. Um, as was uh, Martin, I think, at Bonnie Doom. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and those were, were good at getting out to companies. Um, we, uh, we actually had a few company leagues in years gone by, maybe not so much now, but uh, um, Brian Sudbury, when he worked at ConocoPhillips, he actually got a ConocoPhillips league going on a Tuesday night for a couple of seasons. And, That's awesome. You know, it was, it was neat uh, getting, uh, getting people that were new uh, a lot of people were new to the sport out and, and bowling. Yeah, I think yeah. I think running some shorter leagues is always a great idea. But I think I, one proponent of like the eight for eights or the ten for tens or whatever was that at the end of it they would get their own bowling ball. And I think mm -hmm. that that's really big for new bowlers too because the second that they have, you know, their own personal equipment for a sport, they're far more likely to come back and and start joining regularly yeah. and want to excel yeah. and get better. And yeah, yeah. Hmm. I like it. Well, friend, like we have reached our two-hour mark, our normal podcast length. You have been obviously full of information. Your your memory is rock solid. Uh, no, it's written down in front of me. <laughs> hard to forget anything when it's right in front of you. Um, we can't thank you enough for being on. Uh, we appreciate it. If you're open, we may contact you soon in the future to get you on a return podcast, maybe uh, number 150 or something like that. We'll uh, get some of our great guests back on and have a 
quick chat with you again, but thanks well, again this, for coming on. This was great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Colin said, time flies. He said, don't worry about what you're going to talk about. He said, because he said, you'll find that the two hours is just going to fly by. And mm-hmm. I got to say, he's, uh, he's pretty spot on there. <laughs> you know, not bad. I, mean, I, I was his coach when he bowled his perfect game at Paradise in 1990. Yes. You know, take credit. Take credit and, for that. And that was fun All because your... we didn't have scoring then. We didn't have automatic scoring. And Debbie Boswell was our scorekeeper. And after he got the seven strikes, I said, Debbie, have you ever been this close to a perfect game? And she said, what are you talking about? I said, he's got it. He's going to throw a perfect game. Don't worry about <laughs> it. You know, and then he got up there and he uh, he struck out and got his perfect game. And it was like, yeah, we, we told you. It, it was in the bag. <laughs> so the jinx isn't real. Yeah. No. Every time someone says it, that's the end of it. We should ask no, you if you, know, if you have any good Adam Weber stories, because of course, being from Calgary and Adam's originally oh, yeah. from Calgary, any any prominent memories of Adam that you know? Well, we can throw him under oh. the bus. He's not here right now. But. When 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 he was a junior, uh, they went to YBC Nationals in Winnipeg. He was on the junior boys team, and Rick Heinrich was coaching them. And he was just the cutest little scrawny runt <laughs> of a kid. What the you hell know? happened? I mean, and he had these nice little dimples, and you know, he was—he was just so cute. <laughs> he was—he was just so cute. There's the sound bit. Adam was no, not so cute. cute. No, I mean, I—I I used to yeah. tell him that uh, he was my favorite Weber when he was in the room, and then if Rich was in the room, I would tell Rich that he was my favorite Weber. And then when David would come to visit, I'd say, "David, you're my favorite Weber." But one time when I said to David that he was my favorite Weber. Rich was in the room, and and he said, "What do you mean?" I thought I was your favorite <laughs> Weber. And I said, "Well, you know, what? forget about it. Heather's my favorite Weber. <laughs> Mom, Mom is it." But, uh, yeah. No, I appreciate you guys uh, for all that you're doing for bowling. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, hang in there. Keep everything rolling. Uh, thank you for this opportunity, and uh, it's it's been a slice chatting with you. Uh, thanks, Brad. This was thank absolutely you, amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was great. A lot a lot of fun going down memory lane. That's for sure. Awesome. Well, but, we'll we'll let you go, and uh, yeah. you have a great time on the island. And we'll wrap this up with our draw. And uh, you're more than welcome to stay in the background and chat with us afterwards if you're willing to. And uh, we'll get this over with. Okay. Thanks again, guys. All right. Thanks, thanks friend. There you go. That was uh, that was amazing. Said, I mean, the amount of information. Yeah. I mean, more two hours. I mean, some of these guests we've had here the last little bit. I mean, you could you could talk for for days and and hours. And and Fran's just done so much for the sport. So uh, great yeah. catch. Yeah. Glad to have her on. It was awesome. Yeah, she she's been so instrumental in bowling as a whole in Alberta for so long, Canada for so long that um, man, if we had her and Jeff Bourne on, we we would. We would have like a, a nine hour podcast and we would yeah. never we would never yeah. run out of things to talk about. Yeah. I think no. Lloyd Reed's last week too. Oh, Lloyd we could have gone on for another couple yeah. of hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. It just it's awesome to have Fran on. Um I don't think you can uh bowling would never be the same without her, to be honest yeah. with you. She's no. absolutely incredible. So thank you, Fran. Yeah, yeah for sure. All right. Well, we got the black eye DB draw to do here. <laughs> there we go. Is it getting worse by the hour here or what? <laughs> no, I think it's helped itself very, very well. Yeah. Uh, so we had 29 entries. Once again, this is uh, for allstarbowlingsales.com. They're, um, we are lucky enough that they're sponsoring us and uh, can bring you guys a free draw every week. And 
um, after we find the winner, we'll get in contact with you and uh, we'll get them in contact with you as well. Birthday there right. today, I think, isn't it, for All-Star Bowling Sales? Shelby, yes, it it's his birthday, birthday today. Yeah. That's Facebook just told me that, boys. That's all. Adam, <laughs> Web- yeah, Adam yeah. Weber would usually point that out. You know, he's 20, 29 years old, yeah. Shelby Crest. <laughs> all right. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> has she won before? I don't know. I, I, I'm not too I sure. think she, I think she I feel like Jeff has won. I don't know if Marla's won though. I feel like she won something like the hundredth or something like that. Oh maybe yeah. Jeff will maybe. be jealous. Jeff will be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's great. Yeah, good contributor to the show. I'll get yes, there. Always in the chat, always contributing as much as she can and Putting in valid, very valid points. So, congrats <laughs> to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tough break, Jeff. Tough break, buddy. <laughs> yeah. awesome. All right. Well, I will uh, end this podcast. And, Tim, do we have a guest scheduled for next week? Uh, Steve Greenside should be on next week. Nice. Awesome. Looking forward to that going Ontario, um, you know, mm. history there, too, right? He, he's uh, a wealth of knowledge, I tell you. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. So good. Perfect. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Marla, give Jeff a hug for us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Poor hashtag guy. bring back seven player teams for the mixed for for the open. Yeah, sounds fantastic. Hashtag and, seven uh, player teams. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll see you guys all Sunday morning for the live show of uh, show number nine for the Five Pin Pro League. Yeah, live bowling back. Let's go. Live bowling Sunday morning. Share away, YouTube. All right. See you guys. See you guys.